welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. I'm your host, Serial Sensei. If you want to listen to uh, <laughs> this final episode and episodes on the backlog that span back to, what, 2017, uh, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, um, YouTube, pretty much anywhere podcasts are at, where we should be there. Uh, you can... Still follow us on social media if you care to at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page as well as Instagram page. You can follow me on Twitter and Twitch at Serial Sensei and you can follow my co-host on Twitter at GC Zeus. And once again, of course, I'm joined with my co-host Antaku. What's going on, man? Uh, not much. Just getting ready to go back to class. Because it starts on Tuesday for summer, and I hate it, and I don't want to go. And I say go, but it's all online. I don't want to do it. It's basically the point. That sounds kind of so, trash. It, but, it, 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 it's not kind of trash. It's <laughs> just trash, trash. But you know, the, the hopes is that uh, in the end, it'll all it'll all pay off for something. It won't. It won't. It won't. I, I, I've already accepted that. I accepted that before I started school. <laughs> The world's just gonna collapse. Actually, you know what? No, you know what? You know what's gonna happen? See, the world will collapse, but you'll be the guy with like all the knowledge. You'll help, like, be able to rebuild after we lose yeah. everything. No, the world's just gonna go straight like Mac Max. Or, like, <laughs> oh man! Everybody's just out driving cars, freaking like tomahawking them into buildings and shit. It's gonna be great. There'll still be people fighting for money, though. So, you know, entertainment will survive. Oh, if it turns into Mad Max, I'm going to do... Uh, I feel like Mad Max and the California Love video have similarities. Like, what? Well, the California Love video is based off of, like, Thunderdome, the third one. Uh, I'm recreating that video one day. I wanted to be in that video really bad as a kid. Like, I wanted to wear, like, the leather suit and the eye patch and drive around in one of those little buggies. So if the world goes to Mad Max, that's what I'm doing. Just let me do that before y'all take me out. Don't stab me before I get to ride around in the buggy with my eye patch. Like, um, it just occurred to me. They all live in the desert. Like, where, where's the leather coming from? <laughs> you could say that for every 90s R&B group. <laughs> that, that had choreography in the desert. And well, everybody... No, was... like, like, I mean, they're like in this post-apocalyptic world in Mad Max, right? Like... Where the fuck are they getting all this leather? Uh, somebody had to preserve it, you know. Somebody had, like, a stash of leather suits. And maybe that was, like, the only bit of clothing that was able to survive the apocalypse. Like, the denim, the denim got ripped out. Like, the denim's gone. But the leather, the leather was, t- it was tough. The leather was too tough. The world couldn't take it out. So that's, that's all they had. They, they had to be hot. Jesus Christ. 
And it's like black leather. Oh, no, they were dying out there. They probably did not smell good at all. But it looked cool. That's that's all that matters. But, uh, yeah. It's the final episode. And I ain't gonna lie to you guys. I didn't take any notes. We're winging this bad boy. <laughs> we're, just, we're, just, we're just gonna wing it. Because it's what we do. Um, but it's gonna work. It's gonna be great. Um... It almost feels, I ain't gonna say pointless to go over news because what even is news at this point? Um, real quick before I get ahead of myself. Still got a shout outs to the listeners, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for, uh, for listening. If you've ever shared or reposted or just gave us a listen in your free time, man, we greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, so, the top cities. For the week the last top cities we'll ever read and i'm glad number two made it back i'm glad number two made it back but number one top city of the week is listenership new york new york number one number two hey. our homies came back but not from cairo this time from from giza egypt i don't know like, 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 like giza giza the G G I Z A. Jesus, uh, what you call it? I, I, I guess so. I don't know. Where's, okay. Where Cairo at? Cairo ain't even on the list. Cairo ain't even. Y'all ain't even in the top. Cairo, what's going on, man? Cairo ain't even in the top twenty. But that's all right, man. Giza holding us down. Giza, Egypt, man, in the building at number two. Number three, Mountain View, California. You guys are always on the list. Number four, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Shout out to you guys. And number five, I see you sneaking in here. Dublin, Ireland. I see we ain't talking about Connor this episode. But I see, <laughs> I, I see y'all sneaking in here. But, uh... I mean, I have been listening to a whole bunch of IRA songs, so that could just be that. Mm, mm. They, they, they sense the, the, the hatred of the British that's shared by this, <laughs> this show. They felt, they felt the energy. But, uh, yeah, man, that's that's the top cities for the week. But uh, it's, appreciate all you guys, though, man. It's been a three-year journey, a th- three-year run of this podcast. We appreciate all the listeners, all the uh, the Tumblr folk where we originated from, our our old stomping ground, which me and the Anti-Cool right before recording were just uh, <laughs> looking to see how long both of us have been on Tumblr. And, it's uh, been a decade. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long, long time. Yeah. I've been on Tumblr, according to them, since July of 2010. Um, I don't know what that says about me or what that says about us. But, uh, I don't know, we made it. <laughs> we, we made it. We, we, lived, we lived through a lot on that, on that, in that Tumblr world. Those are, those are wild times, man. Those were wild times. Um, I might have to just go back to some of those old archive posts and see, like, what was I talking about in like 2011? Like, what was, what was, what was going, what was hot in the streets? <laughs> what was going on back then that I felt the need to even post about? But um, yeah. Um, mm, where, 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 where to start? Where to start? Where to start? Well, I guess real quick, uh, the rundown, uh. I mean, you can read the title, so you probably already know what's going to happen. But in case you, know, you might not be looking at the title, maybe you just clicked because we're awesome. You just wanted to click, and you didn't really see what we we're talking about. 
Um, on this episode, on our final episode, we will be listing and discussing our top 10 favorite fights of all time. And we will also be answering a few uh, questions that we got from some of you guys. I, I threw out a post yesterday on social media, so we got a couple of responses. So um, we will get to those also. So that'll be pretty much the bulk of the episode. And the rest of this, I ain't gonna lie, man. Like I said, we just we just gonna kind of wing it. I didn't really take notes. Um, I got a f- you know a few things we probably can poke fun at, um, but we we just gonna kind of wing it. Um, but as always, before we start, uh, the anti-cool. Is there anything on your mind for this week? Uh, surprisingly, several things, and they're all combat sports related. So mm. that's 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 a change. Because normally I'm just up here blathering about bullshit. Um, so I found out yesterday um, that Dennis Seaver and Daniel Veitchel fought each other all the way back in 2006. Mm. And, and now I, um, you know, a man not very well versed in German mixed martial arts, have dubbed it the most important fight in the history of German <laughs> MMA. And I need to see it. Did he win? So, uh, Daniel Weichel won by submission. Nah. Nah. I think. Proving that he's the, the, the superior fighter and the greatest German mixed martial artist of all time. Mm. I don't know if that's how that works, but you know, yeah. Dennis Seaver's UFC run was not, long, but not terribly inspiring. Um, yeah, he, he, he had a couple of nice spinning back kicks to the body. Uh, he, his best win is arguably Diego Nunez. Um, maybe Matt Wyman or Spencer Fisher. What, uh, where is Diego? I feel like he was like I mean, a thing at one point. Like he was. He left Nova Uniao. Because that, that's why he was a thing. He was on a win streak, and he was at Novo Nial, And he left because he's like, I'm going to have a contender fight with Kenny Florian. And when that's over, I'm going to fight Jose Aldo for the title. And we were all like, okay, cool, whatever. You're not going to win. Um, <laughs> and then he lost to Kenny Florian. And he lost to um, uh, Dennis Seaver. And then he lost to Nick Luntz. And then he lost to Patricio Pitbull uh, in Bellator. And he lost to Matt Bassett. And then he was just fucking gone. And he's been traveling around ever since. Uh, he came back for... He he fought in Ryzen in 2018. I forgot about that. Um, he oh. lost to Yachi. I was going to say, he, he's 4-1 in his last five. Now, competition He's also a 37-year-old like fly-slash-lightweight, so... Yeah. Uh, featherweight-slash-lightweight, so who knows what that translates to in real life. He's, he's, um, he's, he's trying out here. He, he, I mean, he, like, he, one of the dudes he beat was one and four. Sometimes you just got you got to pass somebody's pocket and just take their lunch money. You just got to go for the yeah. easy. You got to go for yeah, the easy kill. Yeah, sometimes you just need the paycheck, man. Um, I, I don't blame him for it. I don't blame him for it. Um, but last time he fought was in 2019, or about a year ago, actually. Um at Superior Challenge in what I believe is Sweden, yes. He fought and won the featherweight title there off of some dude, Simon Skold, who was 9-6. and six. 
Oh, Nico Masaki fought on that card. Or Masok? Masoki? Masaki? Yeah, no, uh, no. the yeah, the dude who got the dude who got fight with Kelvin Gastelum. He beat Dylan Andrews, another UFC vet. Uh, we'll see if uh, I don't know at Diego's age, I don't think that fight's gonna lead to anywhere. I don't, I don't think Bellator or anybody's rushing to uh, bring him back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it might give him another fight in the hey, Superior uh, Challenge, which is like half the battle of being a regional dude. Yeah, but this is all beside the point of German MMA history needs me to see Daniel Weichel versus Dennis Seaver. There you go, putting out SOS. If you are uh, out there, you got that footage. You've been holding on to it, and now's the well, time. The the thing that gets me is there might not be any footage because it was it's illegal in Germany. It was. I don't know if it still is to have MMA broadcast on television. Yeah, somebody so, had to take a World Star video at least. It, it didn't make the airwaves. But some somebody got it on their phone, or we just had to track Daniel Vitro down and just talk to him. Just be, be like, like, hey, bro, do you, do you have that video of you beating up Dennis Seaver? And yeah. he'll be like, did that happen? Because he, it was like 20 years ago at this point. Um, Depending on how you answer this question, you might be the greatest German mixed martial artist of all time. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but this, the thought of German MMA reminded me about the time the UFC almost signed. The UFC. there uh, can you hear me yep okay it wouldn't be a dojo talk episode if we didn't <laughs> if technical difficulties didn't happen <sighs> so i don't know if you heard the question but do you remember benjamin brinza brinza no so he was signed way back in 2013 to fight um what the... Oh, my God. This is going to kill me. Because I... Uh, he had just beaten um, the dude who uh, Wonder Boy knocked out with the uh, the question mark kick. Dan Stitchin. Stitchin? Stitchin. Mm. Um, he was signed uh, to go fight sometime in September. Um, and then they came out that he was a neo-Nazi. Hence the nickname The Hooligan. Yikes. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, he ain't for since 2014. Yeah, he promptly got cut um, from the UFC and went to um, Fight Nights Global, who I guess happily signed him because they needed somebody for uh, their boy Marif Pariyev to uh, fight. Um, and he promptly lost, and then he fought Edward Vartanian, and he promptly lost again. Um, and then, you know, he fell into obscurity. But my question is, in the year 2013, the UFC thought it made good business sense to cut the <laughs> neo-Nazi. Do you think they would have cut him if they had signed him in 2019? Not at all. <laughs> he, he would have been out there on highlight reels. He would have been in commercial. They would not have cared. Shoot, during this pandemic, they still would have signed him. Like, we just need people who can fight. Who cares if you... uh? Hate an entire racial, <laughs> an entire race of people. Oh no, yeah, they they they'd have had him out here. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad you agree with me because I was like, 
they definitely would have just let him go. And then Dana would have been like the meatiest soup chicken shit or something. All right, listen, whatever this guy does outside of the cage is his own business. He's, he's here to fight. <laughs> like, uh, Dana. I was, <laughs> I was watching Rampage versus Chuck yesterday. Well, poor Dana White was going through it on commentary, boy. It hurt me to watch the fight because I didn't want to see Chuck get beat up because Rampage put the bangs on him. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Dana was on commentary. Why did Dana sound like he was, like, Chuck's personal coach? Because like, they're friends. But he, but he was like, like I forgot. There, there were like little things that Chuck would do in the fight, and Dane would be like, "Oh yeah, the, you know, we had him work on like who is we?" Like, <laughs> I mean, like no, Dane was like involved, involved in Chuck's career. Him and Tito, remember? Like but, he started off as their manager. Yeah, but like, well, I don't think Dana was in in the gym yelling instructions. Like he probably was in the room. I mean, I, 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 like when Chuck was training, he was definitely like, Chuck, do this. And uh, what's his name? I forget his name. Um, was it Glacier? Who was Chuck's coach? I can't that, remember. Yeah. He was definitely like that. And then Chuck's coach would just look at him like side I am and he just wouldn't say anything because he's technically the money man. So he'd just be like, okay, whatever. Like Dana, shut up. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do the Dana. We're we're trying to do like professional work here. Right. You taught boxer size classes in Boston for like a few years. Right, Relax. Right. Yeah, get out of here, bro. Boy, he was on commentary. Just yeah, he he was going through it. Oh man. Um. That that all you got for for this week? Um. Uh, I made this post on Tumblr, and the only person who understand where I was coming from. Or understood where I was coming from was Joey, because he follows boxing. Um, but for for some fucking reason, Derek Chisora and Dylan White, um, who are names you might recognize, they're British heavyweight boxers, have like a ton of like bewildering hype behind them. And the only like uh, uh, and like, I'm trying to um, the only comparison I could make is if. People were like hyped to see Ben Rothwell fight for the title, because that's basically who they are. They're, they're more explosive than Ben Rothwell, but otherwise they are big lumbering dudes who all they do is really like take a beating. Um, and you know it just happens, so happens they are younger than most of the dudes in the division, or have been younger. Um, I think Chisora is pretty old by now, or at least battle worn. Um, and. The reason I bring this up is because he was uh, Alexander Usyk, who in my eyes is the most talented big man boxer on the planet right now, and I'm putting him above uh, Fury because I think he's more skilled than Fury. Um, was supposed to fight Derek Chisora yes uh, yesterday, um, but you know, global pandemic and all. Yeah, uh, took all our fun. And so no fight. So. I was like, okay, that sucks. But there is a large contingent of people on, across a bunch of different boxing forums and on Twitter and YouTube who were convinced that Jisora, who is like 28 and 10, if I remember correctly, and has lost some like really, really just abysmal decisions. Like they, as in not like they were like bad decisions so much as like they were just like terrible to watch. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah Chisora is 36. He's old. Um, so he's like 32 and 9. Like, he, he has lost to some just, like, not good guys. Um, or at least not, like, great guys in, like, recent memory. Um, and, like, there were a bunch of people convinced that he was going to knock out Usyk in the first round. <laughs> and, well, I don't know. Some people... I don't know. That's, that's a weird thing how, like, fanhood or, like, I don't know, like, when I, I people get, reach that point where, like, there, the logic like just... Oh. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, just, like, the fanhood just reached the point where, like, the logic just, just, like, <laughs> yeah, like, it just goes out the window. Like, I got my favorite fighters, too, but I can acknowledge that if they matched up with a certain somebody, it might not, you know, things might not go so well. Like, and part of it is, like, doing white is like the guy who um did he knock out or did he rock Anthony Joshua um in the in the amateur days. But he like he fought Anthony Joshua and there was like a bunch of they built up so much hype around that fight. Um the the white Joshua fight that in the pros. And to his credit, White did manage to rock Joshua. Basically for the same reason that Ruiz was able to, you know, knock Joshua out. Because, you know, Joshua just is want to sit down on his punches and just, like, when he thinks you're hurt and he has you against the ropes, he's going to go to pound on you. Um, but, like, again, the closest, like, stylistic um, comparison I could think to is, like, if Ben Rothwell was, like, people are like, Ben Rothwell is going to fucking destroy, um, I don't know, Daniel Cormier. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, no, get that out of here. Yeah, that would be an ugly fight. Yeah, you guys cut that out. <laughs> stop, stop piping up people who don't deserve it. But I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just their guy. They just you know, they want they want to will it into existence. They want to pull the uh, you know. I don't know. You got you got to hold on to something during 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 these times. So they're they're holding on to the hope. Maybe, but uh, it just feels it's weird to me, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what's on your mind, Shantae? Ho hopefully, it's less. Um, I don't know. Weird than mine, or more weird. I don't know if it's weird. It, it kind of is. <laughs> it, it, this this is kind of tied to sports, but it's not really a sports. It's tied to sports, but it's. I'll, I'll just say it. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Well, I, I guess now I can kind of. I know I, I kind of still can't give it a pass. So I mean, pretty much everybody listening to this, I would assume, is on some kind of lockdown or quarantine, or like even if your state or your area, wherever you are, is reopening. Like, places still have, like, certain rules and, you know, regulations, all that stuff. <laughs> and I don't know what it is, but, like, every time I'm, like, sitting down and I hear, like, a police siren go off outside, I'm like, what are y'all doing? Like, who, <laughs> who's out here in the pandemic getting arrested? Because I've seen a couple of headlines already this week tied to sports. Uh, who, who, who is this? Was this, uh... People don't tell me this was Ryan Lee. It was Ryan. Ryan Lee, I don't know if you guys remember him. Um, probably one of the... If there was an all-time list of athletes who were bust, 
Um, he's got to be number one or number two. Um, but he got arrested uh, for domestic battery. Um, there's some other people I saw who got arrested. And I, I don't know. Like when, I, when I'm seeing people getting arrested during a quarantine, I'm like, what? But we, you're supposed to be home. Like, I mean, it's domestic battery. Oh, uh, well, that's just him. But like, there, there are other people I've seen. I don't have any of them pulled up. But there are other people I've seen who've been getting arrested. And it ain't for stuff they did at home. So I'm like, what are y'all... We all supposed to be home. I mean, I get it. You go out, you take a little walk, or you got to go get your groceries. But I'm like, what? I shouldn't be hearing as many police sirens as I am during lockdown. Like, y'all got to... <laughs> we got to chill out, man. Like, I know some people are antsy to get outside, but come on now. Y'all, y'all got to go sit down. Go read a book. Go... I don't know, man. Y'all, y'all got to calm down. And why is... I, I know that the, the, you know... ESPN is about to start pumping us these documentaries because the Michael Jordan one did so good, which I will commend. I, I since those last two episodes wrapped, um, the Last Dance and Whole was a really great uh, docu series. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, I would highly recommend it. Even if you're not a basketball fan, like it was just entertaining to watch. But um, do you care about watching a Lance Armstrong documentary? Only you, if you... it's about only if it's about him juicing. I mean, I'm assuming that's part of it. No, no, no. I mean, the whole thing is just him juicing. Oh. It's, like, oh, it's, it's, like, it's like the smashing machine. Because, <laughs> like, oh. He's just, like, he's just pulling needles out of his fucking ass. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at, like, we're going from Jordan to Lance. Like, I don't know. Lance, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I understand. I remember when, like, Lance was, like, a thing. Like, the hype was real. I get it. I do get it, man. Live strong, you know, all that. I, I remember those days. But I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not clamoring for the, for the Lance Armstrong documentary. I don't know, man. Well, like, there's a, there's a whole, like, like, like I, I think documenting that entire, like, there are a lot of people who were hurt over Lance's, like, doping allegations and, like, the whole live strong movement. Like, he still looks like a douche. Hey, like, he I'm just, does look I'm just like I'm looking at like just the thumbnail. He looks like he's about to lie. I don't even know what he's about to say, but it looks like he he is about to tell a bold face lie on his camera. I don't know, man. He looks I don't, like I don't, a manic. He does. Yeah, son, he he looks he looks off. He, he, he has a very punchable face. It's just like yes. if the, if we're doing movie casting, you would be like the snitch. Or right. Like, you know, <laughs> you'd be the rat. Yeah. Like and, and like. Yeah. So. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, that was just a random thing. I just been thinking about this week. Like, yeah. I, I, I think it's a perfectly good segue in the in the in the um, in the in the way that like Michael Jordan was a bully. Man, Sarasol was an even bigger bully. <laughs> like the the only thing that because Lance Armstrong got to be the face of his sport in a way that Michael Jordan didn't, in that like nobody watches. I mean, I shouldn't say nobody, but if you're if you know what cycling is, you know what it is because of Lance Armstrong. You know what I mean? Right. Um, like if you're like if you're even remotely familiar with basketball, you probably know at least like two or three basketball players 
um, you know, like your Larry Bird, your Magic Johnsons, and your Michael Jordans. Like, right. Lance Armstrong got to be little people because, like, fucking name one other cyclist. Yeah, I, I... gun to your head. Name one other cyclist. It's got to be somebody out there named Joe Smith. <laughs> Where you at, Joe? It's got to be one cyclist named Joe Smith out there. Oh man, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm looking through the Lance Armstrong tag on Twitter. It's just people being upset, not because there's a Lance Armstrong documentary. Well, some of them are. They're mostly upset because Lance Armstrong's a douchebag. But uh, um, then uh, Ewan McKenna, uh, a sports writer, uh, once upon a time, posted the Black Eye, um, which is an Irish. I guess I don't know, um, but his tweet I think is pretty good about it. Lance Armstrong not going to watch, and here's why: it was never the drugs. It was about the fucks. Uh, it's about the fact he fucks over anyone and everyone to get ahead. Always did, and always will. And yet there's another opening for him to do it and to get money in the process. Enough is enough. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. You you guys can watch the Lance documentary. I'll be waiting for the Bruce Lee one, though. But, uh, y'all, y'all have fun with, uh, with Lance. Um, so I guess moving on. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't really have a lot of news. I didn't, we didn't, I didn't write any notes at all. Um, but, <laughs> I don't care. This is the last episode. I'm gonna throw some shots. Uh, I don't like poking fun at fights, but, um. I'm pretty sure, well, maybe maybe some of you didn't see this, and I don't blame you if you didn't, um, but there was a fight announcement that was made. Um, I don't even remember what fight night card that is headlining, but um, for some reason, the UFC thought that the world needed a main event between Jessica I and Cynthia Calvillo. And, Sometimes um, you just need to fill a date, brother. And I'm I'm gonna because be honest with you. Have you have to make you have to make seven million dollars because that that's what ESPN is paying for that card. Get get your refund. <laughs> I'm like, if that's the headliner, what what is the undercard looking like? I am not the I am not a huge Cynthia Cavill fan, but I would be fine with her getting a main event spot. If, if, if it was like Alexa Grasso, but they went with Jessica I. Yeah, this, this, this ain't it, Chief. Who is basically only watchable when she is getting knocked out by Valentina Shevchenko. A a woman who has historically, there, there, there's like a... What were the two fights at like bantamweight where she threw like zero strikes? It was uh, oh, it probably, was like I was gonna say probably two fights I've been trying to erase. <laughs> it, it was the best fight and the Sarah McMahon fight where she literally basically threw nothing. Um, but I have the card here if you want me to read some of the other fights out to you. Sure. So I don't. There's no word on what the co-main event is, but I'm gonna start with the fights that I like the best. Uh, Ryan Benoit versus Tyson Nam. Hey, solid Tyson Nam, but... Yeah, solid enough, little scrap. Uh, Julia Villa 
versus Carl Rosa. Okay. Andre Feely, Charles Jordan. Okay. Jordan Espinosa, Mark De La Rosa. Okay. Carl Roberson versus Marvin Vittori. Okay, they rematch, uh, rescheduling. Yep, and Ariane Lipsky versus Luana Coriol- uh, Cor- Carolina. Oh, Lipsky, you, oh, you better, <laughs> you better not bomb this one, buddy. Alright, those are like solid. Those are solid fight night prelim, early prelim openers. Yeah, mostly. yeah. I was trying to uh, think of a way to frame that. I mean, Andre Philly, Charles Jordan is a fine fight um, on like a prelim, but it will probably be like the third fight from the top if the UFC can't find anything better to book. Which, in all fairness, uh, what, uh, Jordan's coming off a KO win over, um, you know, Korean Superboy. Um, and Philly had that good. He, um, he had a good fight with um, what's his name? Uh, was it Yusef? Was that his last fight? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, and then before that, he was on a pretty good run. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at that fight at all. That's a, that's a, that's a real solid matchup. Carl Roberson versus Marvin Vittori sounds like the worst possible thing. Uh, we're gonna get. I it. think I said that the first time that that fight got booked. <laughs> we're, um, we're gonna get it. I mean, we're we're gonna get it. It, and we're gonna like it because the UFC can do whatever the hell they want. You remember at the start of this ESPN deal, and like the UFC was like, um, the UFC was trying to book Conor McGregor in a non-title fight on ESPN. Um, and ESPN was like, no, our contract says that all the uh all the pay-per-view cards that we're gonna do have to have a title fight. And eventually, that's why we ended up with the. Nate Diaz versus um, Jorge Masvidal fight for the fake, you know... Um, <laughs> BMF title. The the fake badass motherfucker title, right? That, that's why that fight happened that way. Because it was the only way ESPN... Uh, they could justify it to ESPN, right? How the fuck did we get here? Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, when... When I saw that Jessica I and Calvia were the headline, I was like, you know what? I'm leaving podcasting at a good time. <laughs> this is not the fight. I can't imagine us waking up early Sunday morning. I mean, when and, you don't have to sell tickets, does it really matter? But, like, this... We've covered some, and I, we don't know what the car is going to look like. Um, But just on paper... They're really just that headliner. That is not a fight that I want to wake up early in the morning to talk about. That that is not. Mm 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 mm. Y'all have fun talking, dissecting that one. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm gonna pass. Lord. Mm mm mm. But that that's that fight. It's gonna be a thing. So uh, you know, have fun. Have have fun. Uh, enjoy that to the best you can. Um, quick, quick note before we move on. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I, I thought it was interesting to mention. Um, I don't know if you heard about the Joe Rogan uh, Spotify thing, but I just thought this was interesting because, not even just because of Joe Rogan, but like podcasting in general, we don't. It's kind of become like a 
like a boom, like podcasts have kind of exploded over these last couple of years. Like yeah. it's becoming like the new thing. So I just thought it was was interesting. So for anybody who doesn't know, um, so Joe Rogan's podcast uh, is actually going to be moving to Spotify. Um, he's going to end up being with them exclusively. And the deal, I don't know if the numbers of the deal came out, but he's basically about to be the highest paid podcaster, which makes sense because he pretty much has like probably the biggest podcast on the planet if you're, if you're going by numbers. Um, this article is a little long. But um, from what I understand of the deal, okay, here we go. Uh, Rogan announced the deal on uh, May 19th, revealing his show will debut on Spotify in September and become exclusive to the platform some point after that. Terms were not disclosed, but one calculation from 2019 pegged Rogan's revenue from podcast adverts alone between 50 mil and 250 mil, with more coming from YouTube, where his show gets a million views in their first 24 hours. So... If if he if he was pulling in that from YouTube, the fifty mil between fifty and two fifty, and that's just off of ads from YouTube, his Spotify deal, we'll probably never know the numbers, but those numbers have to be crazy. Whatever they're paying him, he he's probably making like some NBA money off of this Spotify deal that he just did. Um so, I don't know. I, I thought this was just an interesting story to keep tabs on just because, like, podcasting is becoming just more of a thing. And I don't know, like, like this legit could become, like, I, I feel like it's kind of still in a weird, it's still in a weird stage. Like, podcasting and not knowing, like, how much is a stream actually worth. Um, it's still kind of like this fuzzy area. But, it, I don't know, it just feels like podcasting is going to become, like, an actual, like, this might be, like, a career path. Like, <laughs> like, uh, 10 years, like, 10 years from now, it might be people like, yo, that's what I want to do for a living. Albeit, I feel like podcasting has also become, you know, become the equivalent of, like, back in 2005 when everybody had a mixtape. <laughs> so, so, I don't know how that's going to work. But, I don't know, I just, I just think things like this are kind of interesting to keep tabs on. Because there are certain, I feel like this could mean something down the road as as far as like the future of of podcasting and what it can become or what it what it can turn into. Um, see, what I see is like, do you remember the dot com boom? Yeah. Like that's what I see right now. I'm like, okay. Um, I, I I don't think. Um, Joe Rogan made anywhere near as much money as that article thinks he did. Um, for uh, his YouTube videos, um, just cause like, I, oh my god, I cannot remember. Um, what's his face? Um, the the uh, what's the guy who is like the the big YouTuber? Uh, don't give me line. <laughs> I don't know many popular YouTubers. Uh, PewDiePie, there we go. Oh, yeah, that's um, Okay, that dude has 98 million YouTube subscribers and rakes in nearly $8 million in monthly revenue. Um, wait. And about... Hmm. So, like, 1.1 million in advertising? 
But well, I, see, I, 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 don't, I don't follow him. How how much does he put out though? Like video every couple of days. So I'm gonna say like Rogan's putting out, and you gotta think Rogan's been doing this since God knows how long. Like he's been at this, you know. However, regardless of how you feel about him, he's been in this way before podcasting was like a, a cool thing to do. Like he's been doing this since like. He was literally one of the first podcast. Pack, I didn't even know what podcast was until I, until I heard him. I had no idea like people did that. Like, oh, we're just gonna sit and listen to people talk for hours on end. So I don't know. I ain't gonna say these are the exact numbers, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's. I, I'll tell you this: he's he's probably making a lot more than uh, your favorite MMA fighter for sure. I I'll I'll I'll, I'll say that <laughs> he's. He's pulling probably more than a lot of people who are main event in these cards. Or if he wasn't before, I'm pretty sure Spotify right. is probably paying him a pretty good. I mean, I don't doubt that. But like, I, I don't see like I, I see this more as like Netflix paying like five hundred million dollars for like Friends for a year. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty much pretty much what it is. You know, like who knows if he's actually gonna stay there? Because I, I think he made the announcement on his podcast and he said it's. He didn't say how many years. He didn't go in specifics, but he just said multi-year. So I'm going to guess it's probably between two to three. I'm guessing, that you, you know, your first contract, you probably don't want to be stuck in there for too long. So he probably did like a two to three year. But I don't know. I, I just thought this was interesting, something to keep tabs on is technology and like the way we just consume entertainment changes. Um, you know, just keep an eye on that. But uh, we've been rambling for about 40 minutes. I think it's time to get into the uh get into the thick of things um so like i said for this episode <laughs> 40 minutes later um we are going to uh do our top 10 favorite fights of all time and then also uh fan and listener questions um i want to do the questions first since people took their time out to to send some in so we'll do the questions first and then we'll do our uh, our top ten fights. Uh, so let me pull up the questions. And thank you guys uh, for the people who did uh, send in questions. Definitely, definitely appreciate you. All right, so we got uh, two questions from Twitter and two from Tumblr. Well, technically it's more than that amount of questions, but just that amount of people. Um, but all right, so I'm, I'm gonna throw you off guard because you didn't see this Twitter one. Uh, I don't know, maybe you did, but <laughs> probably didn't. It got got it this morning. Um, but uh, starting first, Twitter question uh, at fuck Yugi. That's the name. F U U C K U Y. Let me start that over. F U U C K Y U G I. His first question is, who do you think Tony Ferguson should fight next? I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you kick this one off. Um, nobody for like six, seven months, maybe a year. Um, so like by the by the time I want Tony Ferguson to come back, like the landscape of the lightweight division should change so much that it 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 could be literally anybody. Um, if I was the UFC, I'd probably book him against somebody who they think has talent, who's like at the 
bottom end of the top ten. Um, like, see, that's the problem. Like, there, there's such little turnover with a lot of these top tens because, like, the guys in them refuse to fight anybody who doesn't, who isn't ranked above them, right? Or who, who, who's not on the streak that they think will get them to a title shot. So you have like Don Cerrone, who's fought, who's gone from fighting Tony Ferguson to Justin Gaethje to Conor McGregor to Anthony Pettis, who realistically should be fighting more people around like the skill level Alexander Hernandez or Drew Dober. For being real, <laughs> but um, when Tony comes back, like a fight with CDF. Um, Carlos Diego Ferreira or Islam Makachev. Like, those are the guys I would want to see him booked against. A Benil Darius, somebody like that. Um, realistically, what's probably going to happen is they're going to have a fight like, I don't know, Dustin Poirier or Conor McGregor, or they're going to try to book that fight. Um, so I'd be cool with him fighting Charles Oliveira, but again, I don't know when. Tony's gonna actually be good to go again. Like that was a life beating ass fight he or yeah. or a life changing ass beating he took. Um that's one of them ones you should probably go chill out for. Go go relax. <laughs> go go relax for a little bit. Yeah, like remember um uh, not McGregor, um uh Roy McDonald. And his fight with Robbie Lawler, and he came back like eleven months later, and he was—he still came back too early. Yeah, he was never the same after that. Yeah, never like, the same after that. And then you got to think like the way Tony fights too. Like, yeah, you, you hope that that doesn't happen to him, but it's—it's it's possible. It could be that because that was—that was one of those kind of beatings that if you come back too soon, especially depending on who against a certain person, it. We don't want to see the downside, but it, that was one of them kind of beatings that it could happen. Um, actually, Du Bronx was my first answer. That was the first person I thought of. Um, and kind of like you, like I don't know his timetable when he'll come back. Um, but you know, I I wouldn't mind the Du Bronx fight. Um, for Du Bronx, it'd probably be the biggest name that he's fought. He's been on a big streak. He deserves a big name. Um, I think for Tony, it's a fight that he can win, but it's still against. Well, like I said, even though Bronx is ranked below him, but still a fight that I think if he wins, it shows like I'm still I'm still up here. Like, yeah, I lost. I, I took a beating, but not just any old body can come up here and beat me still. Like y'all, y'all still got to work y'all way up here. I'm up here with the Sharks. Y'all got to y'all got to earn this spot. So um, the Oliveira fight was actually the first fight that I thought of. Um, I wouldn't be mad at the Conor fight either, actually. I didn't, I didn't really even think of that until you said it. But, um, I think those are the two best options. Like, if you want to do, if you want to do the money fight, I guess if you call it that, I, do the I, I see this cashing out on Tony, really. Like, I, like, I, if I'm his management, um, like, I am not getting him, like, because, like, I think we talked about this after the fight, but, like, Justin Gaethje was the first, like, really big puncher Tony Ferguson has fought in, like, a while. Right. Um, like, Andy Pettis is, like, a solid enough puncher. You know, we saw him knock out um, 
Wonder Boy off of Superman Punch, but like, I, I would never, I would not qualify him as like a puncher. He is a, a, a dynamic kicker more than right. anything. Um, you know, like Tony was getting hurt by everybody going into the Gagey fight. Um, Pettis hurt him. Cerrone hurt him. Um, like if if Pettis didn't break his hand in that fight, like he was. I'm not, I'm not gonna say he was winning, but like he had a lot of the momentum in it. Um, like I, I I don't come back to a Connor or Dustin Poirier fight is what I'm saying because those are the next two biggest punchers in the division. Um, and it just seems like not worth it if you're trying to get like uh, back to title shot. I don't know. I look at it as high, high risk, high reward. If you if you beat Connor, they're gonna they gotta throw you right back up there. Question yeah, is, is if you're if you're ready to <laughs> really go back up there at this time. But you know, if you want to cash out, you want to do the money yeah. fight from Tony's perspective and the UFC. And <laughs> for the UFC, you know, Ferguson coming off of a loss, it might be a little vulnerable. You know, I mean, we, we we won't know until we see him, but I feel like that's, I don't say a win-win, but from both of their perspectives, I feel like it could work. The, the next time we see Tony Ferguson, unless by, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I don't know where his return tape, uh, his return date might be, but like, he might be 37 years old by then. Mm, yeah, that is true. Like, he is not young, mm. and he has been hurt pretty often in recent years, like, to the point where he's only fighting, like, once a year. Um, so, like, I don't, like, I, I just, like, there's risk-reward, and then there's just, like, it's just not the smart thing to do to me, to, to put your fighter in that position. Like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, there's high risk, high reward for like a McGregor fight, but like you're talking about doing some serious lasting damage, um, to Tony. Like yeah, the guy who has like actual men- like mental issues. Yeah. It's it's not an easy spot. And then neither of these fights are gonna be easy. Obviously the the, the you know Oliver one would I don't, I don't even know if it's right to call that the easier fight because like nothing neither of these fights would be a cakewalk but I guess I'm also looking at it too like if he say he comes back at 37 time is no longer on your side time so if you're inside for a minute yeah so, so if you're realistically looking reason... to yeah I'm saying if you're realistically looking to try to make one last and it, it god it's gonna be a tragedy if he this man should have been in a title. Whatever. Well, <laughs> whatever. But it, if you're trying to make that one last push before uh, Father Time, you know, the the, 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 the time and the little sand clock runs out, you might have to do the Connor fight because that, that's big enough to kind of put you right back up there because I don't, I don't know if... I don't know if Bronx does it. I like the Bronx fight better. Um, I feel like it's... 
I don't say safer, but you know, co coming off of a beating like that, <laughs> I just I like the new Bronx fight a little better. But we also have to talk to think about it from uh, this perspective of what if Justin Gaethje wins? Like he he has the fight, we could be sometime in like the fall, and he wins. Yeah, that changes things too. Like I I'm sorry, like it would be like promotionally irresponsible for the UFC to put Justin uh, to put Tony Ferguson in another fight with Justin Gaethje. Well, I was gonna say if 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 Gaethje wins. We we don't get Tony Connor. They're gonna go. They're gonna go Connor Gaethje. Yeah. So that throws Connor out the picture. So then you really you could do Du Bronx. I feel like the Du Bronx fight just makes the most sense. You can do the Connor fight, but I feel like the the Connor fight might depend. There are other variables, like other things might have to shake out if you want to do the Connor fight. But if you want to go for a sure shot, like we can make this and. It's not really hinging on anything else other than your timetable of when you'll return. I say do do the Du Bronx fight. Um, but uh, moving on to also his second question, um, I'm gonna try to understand this. He put if you could add ah, if you could add one rule somewhat, what would it be? So I'm assuming he's just asking just a rule in I guess MMA or combat sports in general. Um, I feel like a couple of months ago I had like a definite answer for this. Um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm gonna go with the the. Uh... Well, would I change the grounded opponent? I might change that one. Cause it, didn't they did they did they amend that rule? Or does it still like not make sense? Don't they do like the two hand? I forgot how that even works now. So it's not unified, but the basics of it is if you have like two hands down, you're not, and you have your two feet on the ground, you're not grounded. But if you have like a knee or something, you're grounded. No, I'm changing that, man. Everybody's getting hit. Protect your neck. <laughs> That's what I'm changing, man. I'm tired of that two hand touch. I'm on the ground. I'm grounded. I'm not grounded. No, I don't. I don't, want to, I don't care about that, man. That's the rule I'm changing. You can be hit at any point. Thug life. Deal with it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm on. I, I'm. I'm with you on that. But I'm trying to think of what 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 else needs to be changed. Um, I, I like. I think I let the. I think I let fighters grab the cage. Because why not? You know, <laughs> why? Why not? I want to see somebody have so, like somebody who's been taken down, just like try to climb their way up the cage <laughs> to get back to their feet. I was gonna say you gonna have somebody losing a toe out here. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> fingers like it's risk reward. It's fighting. Like if we want, I mean, if we if we want to be real, the the UFC prides itself on being as close to a real fight as possible. So, I also think they should come to the fight drunk and or high. Mm. So, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure some people have came high. Drunk, I don't know. High, I'm positive there have been some people. Oh, yeah, like, there's a reason uh, you have a bunch of Diaz wins that have been overturned. Right. Quite, <laughs> but, like, I, I, I'm I'm not talking about like weed though. I'm talking about like they 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 snort a whole fucking rail in the back, 
before making the walk. Who do you think John the whole, the whole title run has been? <laughs> Prior to Daniel Cormier. Well, up to the first fight. I think Glover would have beat John Jones if he was also on cocaine. Uh, that is my stance. <laughs> there we go. I want grounded opponents to not be a thing anymore. Anti-cool wants people sniffing lines before fights. There we go. I like it. <laughs> Drugs are the best PED. I'm just saying. Hey, hey, man. It's their body. We're just here for the entertainment. It's their body, and we're going to force them to do drugs. <laughs> See, we got the PF, we got the barbecue fight league where, like, you know, guys have to, like, slap themselves in barbecue sauce. <laughs> no. That is that. that. That is a rule we came up with. No, like, listen, it, I know the barbecue fight league don't have standards, but no, I, I can't have a bunch of 45-year-old white guys <laughs> <laughs> slapping themselves in barbecue sauce. You're wasting the sweet baby rays, man. <laughs> Maybe one fight a card. Like, we'll have one. Well, really, the whole show is a freak fight. But we'll have one freak fight in the card where it's, you know, the barbecue sauce match. You know? In that fight, if you win, you get the Golden Grill and you get, like, some exclusive barbecue fight league uh, barbecue sauce that we'll have to make. Tim, Tim Boach, man, get at us, man. You, you've been a prototype for this fight league we've been trying to come up with. You yeah. you are the perfect dad to uh, our other fight our other fight league would just be back alley brawls and it's just dudes fighting for uh, like on, on drugs. Yeah, and that's it, we are World Star already got that covered. So. It, it's instead of like martial arts styles, it's just different types of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a wild matchup. You got the this guy on LSD just going against like the regular weed head and we see who's just Oh man! Oh man! That might be the undercard of the barbecue fight league. Like it, it was, your your crackhead uncle, he can come. We have a place for him. He's been kicked out of all the other barbecues, but we got him covered on this one. You got the crackhead versus the dude who just dropped like a whole thing of acid. <laughs> we, we're gonna get raided so quick. It, it, we're trying to find out what is the best performance enhancing drug. The SWAT, the SWAT team is going to kick down doors to an outside event. Like, there are no doors. Well, that's why we're holding it on the pirate boat. Oh. Yeah, okay, there we go. We're going full Dada 5000 on this ah, so we, we can get the fights off. It's going to take time for them to get out to the boat. Ah, there we go. These people don't have jobs. <laughs> There we go. We got we got this covered. We got this covered. Oh man, <laughs> that's that's funny. All right. Uh, thank you, uh, Yugi, for those questions. Appreciate it, good sir. Uh, moving on to a uh, Tumblr. Uh, we got Naughty by Nature. Uh, N O K. Sorry, K N O T T Y uh, by Nature. Appreciate Jersey, you. What's good? Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. When did uh, those he's... dudes run for like city council in Newark? Oh. I don't remember which one did it. But, uh... Oh, you're talking about Naughty by Nature, like literally Naughty by Nature. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it couldn't have been Tretch. 
I, I, I'm a hundred percent sure it was not Tretch. Yeah, I'm about to say Tretch. Tretch. Tretch doesn't strike me as a public office kind of guy. Uh, For you guys out there, listen to "Feel Me" flow today. It's a good Naughty by Tretch was killing it. That's a good song. It's a great song. But um, uh, Naughty by Nature asked uh, his first question. He's got two of them. First question is, uh, which new slash young fighters are you guys keeping an eye on in terms of talent? Uh, and have a good chance at success in the future. Um, uh, it's really funny. Oh, excuse me. Um, because, um, like, if you had asked me that question, like, two years ago, I probably would have, like, a whole list of dudes for you. But, honestly, it's just hard enough keeping up with, like, all the fighters that like are actually ranked right now, that I can't think of somebody like down the rankings. So I'd be like, okay, be keep an eye on this dude because he's about to blow up. Like my, that person would have been hack for us, I guess. Um, but you know, we're, we're gonna have to see him rebuild for a little bit. And I think this goes to something. I uh, I read an article on the fight site yesterday, and Lord, no, I forgot. I think it was called the uh, the UFC and the meat packing plant. Um, like, it just takes so much more to get a title shot nowadays. Like, Drew Dober is six and se- of seven in, in his last seven fights. He's he's ain't won even, six. And he's not even like sniffing. <laughs> he's not even sniffing <laughs> a title shot. Yeah, and like, um, the article brought up Vincente Luque, right? Luque went on this like wild ass run where he was like fighting. Um, you know, it was like, how many wins in a row did he have? Like, one, two, three, four, five, six wins in a row. Then you got Steven Thompson. And then they rebooked him against Nico Price. It's just like, what are we even doing? All right. Um, like, like, a lot of these guys are just going to burn out way before they ever get a title shot. Um, which kind of what happened to Tony Ferguson. If you think about it. Like, Yeah, he went on a run, <laughs> an insane run. And yeah. never got his his chance. Like, remember back in the day when John Fitch won like seven fights in a row, and like everybody's like, well, he, he needs to get title shot. To, like, there are a lot of guys in the UFC who are like five and one, eight and one, six and two, who are just nowhere near like a title shot or contention, or even some some of them are even in the top fucking fifteen, like. How many lightweights are like six and one or five and zero oh or something like that? Right, and they're just not getting top quality fights. So like, and I'm, I'm trying to bring this back to um, die by nature's point or a question. It's just like, I, I'm, I don't like. There are a lot of like really t- young talented fighters. Like I like uh, Song Yadong. I like. Um, who I guess is ranked now, so I guess like that's less of what he's like getting at. Um, I mean, technically, I like, though, he's still mad young, though, dude, twenty-two. Yeah, apparently. Um, apparently. Um, there, there's uh, fuck, what's her name? Um, crap, she. I am. I am terrible at names. Like, I like Alexa Grasso. I like, um, 
why am I forgetting her? Uh, Vivian Arujo, who's not young, but like young in her career. She's only had 10 fights. I like Amanda Rebas. Um, I'm just going through the list right now. Um, I like Macy Chiasson. You know, give her a few more years. Um, I like you know, uh, like a bunch of the flyweights who I've seen um, recently. Um, I, I like that David Vorak uh, guy uh, who beat mm. Bruno Gustavo. Um, like the point being, there's a lot of dudes, but like I don't know which one of these guys will be around like five years from now. It won't be just completely freaking shot. Right. <laughs> I've got a couple. Um, I think for all of mine, I don't know really what their ceilings are, but I'll just say like they're people who I'm, I think they're probably years away from being, you know, at their peak, but, um, definitely just fighters that I'm going to keep an eye on. Cause I, I think they can go somewhere. I just, I just, you know, I just got to see it. Um, but actually, uh, Amanda, uh, Rebos was the first person I thought of, um, 26 years old, one of the newer faces we've seen in the UFC as of late. Um, all of her fights are just, like, really fun <laughs> to, to watch. Like, she's really entertaining. Um, I think she has a good skill set. She can really pour it on people. Um, like I said, I, I don't know what her ceiling is, but I'm just I'm enjoying what I'm seeing so far. And I'm, I'm hoping that it can turn into something more albeit she's in you know strawweight division is really really tough especially when you start getting to that the top of that division but i'm keeping an eye on her i'm, I'm really liking what i'm seeing from her um i'm gonna kind of cheat and go to somebody who i had on uh our award show for um uh when we did our rookie of the year segment um I'm going to go to my guy from KSW, um, probably butchering his name wrong, uh, Saladin Parnasi. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that right. He's KSW's interim, I don't know if he's undisputed or interim like featherweight champ. Um, he is currently 14-0-1, 22 years old. Um, I think he has a lot of raw talent. I still think he needs a lot of work, but he has a lot of raw talent that I think if he just continues to develop that he could be he could be something pretty good in the future a few years down the line um uh he is currently well yeah, I say undefeated uh last fight was against a gentleman named Ivan uh Buchinger in December 2019 um really athletic um it looks like the physical tools are there but he just needs to like, put it together, like, I feel like a lot of, some of the fights I've seen from him, he can kind of get by on, like, his athleticism, not saying that he doesn't have skill, but I think he still needs to develop, like, an overall game, but at 22, I think he has a pretty high upside, if he can just keep developing, um, so I have my eye on him, um, and I'll take it to Glory, um, a guy who I was rooting for in one of the last Glory cards I watched a while back. Uh, he ended up losing, but <laughs> uh, Abraham Vidalez uh, in Glory, who I think also I want to say is a featherweight. Um, he was on a nice little run before he ran into, uh, was it Adam Chuck? I think was his last fight. And he got kind of beat up <laughs> in that one. But albeit, man, I think Adam Chuck, former champion, um, and that was 
uh, Vidalez's first like big step up in competition. But um, I like Vidalez's game from what I saw from him. But like I said, he's still still really young. Um, I don't know exactly what his age is. I mean, his glory record. He's only four and one. So like it might be some time before we see him fully come in. He's four and one in glory and fifteen and one overall. Um, they have him ranked at number eight at featherweight. But I think he's a really really talented uh kickboxer. But still really young, so it might be a while, but before we see him turn into something, hopefully he does. But um, have my eye on him too. So those are my three: uh, Amanda Hibas, uh, Saladin, Parnasi from KSW, and uh, Abraham Vidalis uh, would be my uh, be my picks. And then uh, Naughty by Nature's second question was: What was your most anticipated fight that was canceled, or dream matchup you hoped for? I mean. <laughs> Tony Habib was the first thing I thought of, like, that That was the matchup, like, that, that was it, that was, that was the one, and, um, we probably ain't gonna get it now, or if we do get it, it kinda doesn't hold, like, the same, Wait. like, yeah, just, it don't, it's not gonna hit the same now, if we get it, it's, it's not gonna hit the same, um, I so mean, we were apparently supposed to get Jones for Stipe before Jones got uh, tested positive for whatever that fucking drug was. Yeah. Um. There's still other fights to anticipate. Like we we've mentioned, uh, you know, fights that would uh bring bring, bring me out of podcast retirement. Uh, you know, Ta- Takaru and Tenshin Asukawa always gonna be on the list. As a anticipated slash dream matchup that I don't know if it'll ever happen, but you know we can dream. Um, <laughs> you know, Errol Spence and Terence Crawford still on the list. A little more hopeful that that one will happen, but don't know. Just just don't know. You know what I was actually thinking of a fight that I wanted to see for a long time. That not only now do I don't know if I want to see it anymore. But it probably won't happen because now they're like three weight classes apart. <laughs> Remember when Aldo versus Pettis was supposed to be like a thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now, now Pettis is, I mean, now Aldo is at Bantamweight. So. He's like, hey, uh, oh, I, I could definitely, like, if he could make the cut to Bantamweight, I don't, get, that's so dumb. That's so dumb. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that. that was a fight for me that I, and you know what, if, if, if by some miracle it still happened, I would definitely watch. It would not hold the same weight as it would have a few years ago. But there would be that a small a part of me. was supposed to happen. I forgot all about that. Yeah, like that. that. If it still happened, I, I would be, I would still watch it. Instead, we got Bendo Prentice too. Yeah. Which was yeah. fun because it gave us that nice little moment. So Anthony Pettis winning in his hometown and then getting to bring uh, his title the night he won it to his father's grave, which is like an all-time MMA moment. Um, But still, yeah, you wish that fight happened. he's sub-Bendo who never gets submitted. Yeah. Just storybook, um, and it finished for that one. I was trying to think Uh, real quick. Does Bellator have any fights that I would really like to see? I feel like they do in that tournament, and I can't think of... The the one matchup I'd want to see 
that I think we'll eventually get is AJ McKee Jr. versus Patricio Pitbull. Um, but like, especially in the early days when like Joe Warren and um, Soto, well, I guess it'd be mostly Warren. Um, those guys were like division hopping at the beginning, so like we got a lot of those like and Pat Curran too, who fought yeah. Eddie Alvarez or whatever. Uh, but a lot of those guys jumped divisions. Like Patricio went up, uh, Pat Curran went down from 155. Um, you know, Rory went up to 170, and Douglas Lima is apparently about to do the same, trying to fight fucking Gary Musasi, which is like all time the all types of just like this straight up wrong idea. Um, Ryan Bader is like a two division champ. Um, like, there's no fights in Bellator where I'm like that fight won't happen, but I really wish it would. It's a lot. It's a lot of fights that are just like going to eventually probably happen. Because Bellator is like such a small roster in terms, of, like for the qual, the, the volume of cards they put out, they want to put out like thirty cards by the end of the year. Um, yeah, it was a fight that I wish had happened and never did. And um, everybody remembers, you know, Silva versus GSP. I feel like we mm. don't talk enough about Cruz versus Aldo. Hmm. Yep. Um, that, that's yep. the fight I really would have wanted to see. Oh man, see you just ah oh, man, you just made me think of some other fights. Rest in peace. We never got to see um Kid Yamamoto versus Benavides. Ah, uh, back when that was supposed to be a thing. Back when that could have been like one of the best fights ever. Yeah, that was back when Prime Kid and I guess would you say that was still Prime Joe? I don't know if that was a prom, Joe, but he was still, like, really, really good. Back at the height of his, like, physical prowess. Like, he yeah. had fallen off physically, but he's, I think he's better than he's ever been technically. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be a great fight. I need um, to help me jug my memory. Wasn't there somebody that we wanted to see Petrosian fight that won just recently signed? Oh, uh, say the try. Yeah, 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 yeah. Put that on the list, too. Rematch with uh, Um I think there's a whole bunch of fights. Like boxing history is nothing but mega fights that we wish happened, but that didn't. You know what I mean? Um, so, like, yeah, it's gonna get me sad. <laughs> all, all, the, all the fights we want to see that will probably never uh, that'll never happen but that, that was a good list I think we gave uh, some, some pretty good ones oh you know what one last one I'm not going to say it's a dream matchup but just because he floated it out there I wouldn't mind seeing it um, Patricio Pitbull versus Jose Aldo oh yeah, yeah. that'd be great yeah he he, he, wanted, he wants to see who's the undisputed king of Brazil hey have at it I'm all for it that would be really but uh Remember when Aldo was uh, supposed to retire? Right. <laughs> right. Here we are, like, four or five, four fights later. This man's still out here. Told you guys, man, MMA retirements are never, are never real. I just thought of, I'm sorry to go back to his first question, but I just thought of somebody who's not quite young, but somebody who I really enjoy fighting and who probably has, like, a longish career ahead of him at my heavyweight. Huh. Down Jung. Is that the... Uh, the light heavyweight dude? Yes. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I thought I remembered that name. Yeah, he's the dude who knocked out Mike Rodriguez and um, what was the other guy's name? Uh, Cadiz Ibrahimov. He uh, not, he submitted him with that standing guillotine. It was more like a bulldog, if I remember correctly. One, um, one of the few 205ers who's not 80 years old. Well, he's 32. Yeah, but in heavyweight, that's like 21. Light so. heavyweight. <laughs> light heavyweight. Yeah, but no, like, I, I, I don't know if he's ever, he's definitely not probably ever going to be champion because it doesn't seem like he has that, like, athletic, like, you know, put, uh, drive to be one. But, like, I, I think he's going to be, like, a solid top 15, top 10 light heavyweight. Um, and if you stick around long enough, you probably get a tail shot anyway, so. You just got to outlive everybody. Yeah. <laughs> outlive, don't get injured too much. You'll, you'll, you'll be all right. But uh, thank you, uh, Naughty by Nature. Appreciate that. Um, and our last batch of questions comes from the homie, Joey, of the Sports Sound Off. Uh, he's got a couple. Uh, this first one is a doozy, so he directed this one at me. Um, he's asking, what's one thing you wish you knew before you started the podcast? And... I know, I've been staring at this question all day, and I'm like, D- this could be a whole, <laughs> this could be a whole episode in itself. Um, this is a hard question. Um, one thing I wish I knew before I started the podcast. How long um, episodes would be? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's one thing. I w- yeah, I wish I knew how long the episodes were going to be. Um, I wish... There, I think my answers to this question is not so much what I wish I knew, but wish I, things I wish I would have approached different. Like, I wish earlier I would have kind of tied to how long the episodes were. I wish I would have formatted things better, because I think that could have helped a lot earlier. But obviously, you know, hindsight fifty fifty. back in the day, we were just... No, but nobody knows what they're doing when they first start a podcast. You're just winging it. Like, you're just, <laughs> you're just learning as you go. Um, I wish I would have gotten to a format a little quicker that we could have stuck with. Um, I think that just having early structure would have helped a lot. Um, I wish I would have understood social media a bit better um, in terms of, like, promotion. I think that could have helped a little bit. Um, I don't know, man. This this could be a while. <laughs> this this could be a while. Um, what else? What else do I wish I would have known? I don't know. I, I could spend all day trying to <laughs> trying to figure this out. But um, no, I, I would definitely say structure. Like really having a structure and a format to the show. Um, you know, I wish I would have knew. And I guess it's kind of related to structure somewhat. I wish I would have known that it's it's okay to not cover everything. Because I think, like, when we first started, I really wanted to cover everything. Like, <laughs> like every single fight, if every good body getting beat up, I didn't care what promotion it was, you know, if it was if it was fun and it happened, I wanted to talk about it. But I wish I would have kind of dialed back on that and be like, you know what, you don't have to cover everything. It's okay to just kind of pick the highlights. And part of it was I wanted to give everybody their just due, but that's impossible. You can't give everybody like it's, you know, 
You can't, you can't shine the light on sir. That too, yeah. <laughs> not, <laughs> definitely, yeah. There's some fights we could have easily probably just not talked about on the like podcast. The, I feel like there's a good percentage of fights, especially like the prelims. Where, uh, yeah, neither one of us really remembers what happened in this fight, and then we'll talk about the fight for 10 minutes anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Overall structure and format and realizing that it's, it's okay to not talk about some things. You don't have to cover it. Um, but that's a, that's a deep question that could go in a lot of different directions. But I'll I'll just keep it at that for now. Um, all right. So his next uh, next batch of questions we can both answer. Um, his next question was favorite moment on the Dojo Talk podcast. There's so many. Like that time Stokes ordered Taco Bell. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I forgot about that. <laughs> Stokes ordering Taco Bell. Um, the I don't know if it was the one time, but when we finally got Stokes and Joey both be on at the same time, and I got a chance to edit the Stone Cold music. <laughs> and I enjoyed that. That was that was a good time. I forgot. Um, there was just a period of time where Stokes and Joey were just sniping at each other. Right. <laughs> Uh, those those were those were good times. The 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 Connor Habib thing is always gonna be a classic. Like we all just got on and started laughing. Right. <laughs> we we stayed up recording till like two three in the morning. Like what were we doing? <laughs> we were on such an MMA high because that night was just craziness. That's 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 definitely a standout. That that might be like a top two moment. That like we all just agreed like madmen. Like no, nah, we're gonna talk about this right now. Yeah, I know. I know it's like midnight, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, we we just we just we just did it. That that was that was fun. Um, uh, the Jose uh, Shorty Torres interview, definitely definitely a, a top moment. Special th- thanks to, to Stokes for pulling that off. I still remember like the day he told me like, oh yeah, I got him to agree to an interview. Like he called me on my way home. I think I was driving home from work. And he was like, yeah, I got him to agree to do an interview. I was like, oh, I guess we got, just got to do it then. <laughs> like, to tell him yes. Like, we'll, figure out, we'll figure out the details later. Uh, but no, nah, that, that, was, that was definitely a good moment, man. Um, that was fun, man. That was, I was really nervous for that. And after we did it, I was like, man, that turned out really good. Like, he was a really good guest. He had really great stories. Um, that was really fun, man. I really enjoyed that. Like, I, I was proud that we... We pulled that off on like really short notice, and it turned out like a really really dope episode. So if you guys didn't, if you never listened to that, or if you're like one of our newer listeners, um, we did an interview with former um, former UFC fighter. Currently, I forgot where is he fighting at now. Uh, crap! What's the name of the promotion? Um, it's in Abu Dhabi. Um, I forgot where he's but... at now. Cause he went from UFC and then he went to. It, it, it's. Um, I, I, I'm gonna kick myself when I see it because I know Brave. There we go. Yeah, yeah, Brave. Yeah, he's in Brave now. But uh, we did a fight, uh, interview with uh, Jose Shorty Torres. Really good interview, man. That was definitely one of the favorite episodes. Um, really cool guy. He gave us some really good, good insight. Um, just because he had a really like interesting background with the crazy like amateur career he had. Um, he had a lot going on, but it was it was a really really fun episode. Um, so yeah, that that would be up there. Um, <laughs> the episode I did with Joey, the one time uh, I had to get him to fill in, 
I still can't remember the fight, but I compared it to a bank robbery. <laughs> Somebody was running around the cage, and it looked like a police chase. Uh, that that was a good moment. We've had, we had a lot of good ones. We've had a lot of good ones. Um, I feel like all of our best moments, though, come before we actually start recording the episode. They do. You know what? And I'm going to kind of tie this back to his first question, kind of, sort of. Not really something I wish I knew before, but maybe like a regret. I wish I would have done like a like a greatest hits. Like I wish I would have kept note of like the best moments we've had and just marked them down, so that I could have went back and like just done like a bonus episode and just edited like all the best moments and just made made it like one podcast. I wish I would. I wish I would have did. That'd be an advice I'd give to anybody listening if you're starting a podcast. Anytime you have like a really good laugh out loud or just random moment, mark it down, man. Mark it down. Mark it down so you can come back later and edit it and make it like a an episode. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I let you answer favorite moment. Oh, you said a couple, but do you have any uh any any other ones? Um, anytime we just talked about one of the just bizarre ass sports that exists in. Like the ESPN Ocho Sphere. <laughs> Anytime we, you know what? I don't know one we can both agree on. We've talked about this episode. The, the I don't remember what episode we did it, but whenever we came up with the idea for the barbecue fight league. Ah, uh, true. Yeah, that's that's a historic. Y'all bet. I, I swear. I feel like that's the episode. We, you know what I think? What episode it was? It was the episode I think um, where we found out that the UFC was printing like the tough dad shirts. We just like See, we I, lost our shit because we were like. That's I went us. back and tried to find that episode. I could not remember what episode it was. Oof. I could not remember. I'll try to think of like what was happening around that time when we. I tied it to Tim Bosch. So what I would do was look at Tim Bosch's record <laughs> and see what see what Carter was on, and I would go to that podcast. I could not find it. I could not find it. I think what brought that pilot was like, oh, the UFC stealing our gimmick now. Fuck them. We'll start a whole fight promotion. Right. <laughs> Y'all, listen, man. I better not see no barbecue fight league in a couple years. I mean, Y'all heard that? That idea fight, originated. That's all fight I will be. <laughs> listen, that came from us. If you see that idea out any, that came from this podcast. You did not get that anywhere else. We have been talking about that for like this whole three years. That that was us. Uh, uh, <laughs> Original fight promotion, do not steal. Yeah, that, that was us. Uh, he's got two more questions. Uh, next question. I've been actually been pondering on this all day. Uh, thoughts who would win between Jan, Jan Blachowicz and Glover Teixeira? Hmm. I'd have to go with Jan. See, my, my initial thought was Jan. Like, I feel like he should win. He should win. Mm-hmm. But, but you know what, man? Just just because. I, I got to go with Glover. Somehow he's going to find a way. I don't know how. He's going to get beat up. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, like, Jan should be able to knock him out. Like, he should be able to put some bruises on Glover pretty bad. But I, I don't know. 
I feel like Glover, he bob his weave his way in there. It's going to be a little ugly. He's going to get beat up. going to be a little lumped up. I feel like he'll find a way to edge it out. I don't know how, but I feel like he could. But Jan should win. On paper, Jan should win. But I'm going to go with Glover just because. Because it's 205 and dumb things happen at 205. No, There are no rules. So uh, I'm, I'm going with Glover. Uh, and Joey's last question. Uh, will the pandemic lead to more promotions like Top Rank, uh, GBP, Bellator, uh, and company building their own facilities to hold fights. Bellator maybe just because they have Viacom money and like and they have like TV studios and stuff like that that they could probably rent out and you know uh, get dates that way. But like at the same time, unlike the UFC, Bellator doesn't get like a set amount of money per card or venue. Like the, the UFC can put on Jessica I, Cynthia Cavill makes seven million dollars. Not including like advertisement stuff, you know what I mean? Hmm. Bellator is owned by Viacom and is run on a Viacom station. Like their entire business model is completely different. So from that aspect, I don't see how they would look. like unless Be- unless Viacom was like in desperate need of live programming on like one of their networks. I don't see the need for them to be like okay. Let's um, let's drag out this thing that we own and put it on um, Paramount Network because we need something to fill up the 11 p.m. slot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like ESPN, their programming has been it, it's been pretty freaking wild to watch what they do when they don't have live sports to cover. Um, just a whole lot of like nothing. Mixed in with the occasional, like, uh, here's um, an NCAA game from, like, 2007. It's, it's like, there's a, there's a level of desperate that is there um, for ESPN that I don't think is there for Viacom. So I don't think they'd ever actually see the need to be like, okay, we have to, um, we have to, change around one of our sound stages so that we can have like a fight card in here you know what i mean Mm. Uh, um for boxing i think it's just a money thing it's just like like it makes sense if you're like eddie hearn and you have um a the zone contract where you're like we we have to put on like 70 cards this year so i'm gonna just have them fly to my house and fight in my yard um, but you're also leaving like, but like, hmm. with that, it's just like okay, but like at a certain point, like, do you want to pass up an Anthony Joshua gate, or do you want to pay Anthony Joshua without like a live gate? You know what I mean? Because like Anthony Joshua's right. live gates are like ridiculous. Like they make more than like a lot of people make off of the TV deals. Um, and unlike the and like again, boxing has a totally different um revenue setup than um the ufc like most of the money that a promotion makes in boxing goes to its boxers um you know canelo is like 108 percent of golden boys revenue um and he's actually in the like he's actually beefing with them because 
apparently, you know, like that ridiculous, like half billion dollar deal that he signed or, um, with the zone was like, oh, no, that's also Golden Boy's money, too. And he was not happy about that. Um, so, like, it, it makes sense to me that like some of these promoters like trying to find their way around these types of situations but like the ufc has the apex center because they do like the 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 contender series shit there they do the um you know tough there or they did tough there um you know they have a a a a training facility for their fighters because they don't actually pay them to actually have real camps i mean it's true um but like the boxing model doesn't accommodate for that type of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if they're necessarily going to build their own facilities. But I think everybody at the bare minimum, because I feel like all the sports leagues, if they're smart and they're still trying to continue business, everybody is probably looking at everybody else to see what everybody's doing. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure everybody was looking at the UFC events like, all right, let's see if they pull this off and like it's actually safe same as i've been hearing reports that like the nba is gonna try to do this whole disney world thing yeah that's gonna be um, funny so I, so i think i don't know if everybody can build their own lo- locations or facilities but i think everybody at bare minimum is gonna be like all right we the same way the ufc did and the same way i guess the nba is trying to do we need to find some kind of central location that we can just hold our events at until you know the world returns to normal if that <laughs> if that ever happens but i think everybody at bare minimum is gonna they're gonna have to find some place at least some venue that's gonna allow them to do this and they'll just i guess exclusively just work with that venue until things open back up right and um, there's also other factors you have to take into account like the usc hasn't held an event at the apex center yet I know they're trying for the like um, for the end of the month, um, but like that's because th- this was a thing brought on by like the state of Nevada, um, where like they closed down the state, um, and I, obviously like there's a million of, and one other um, scenarios, but like this is also I, it's not quite an um, what you call uh, an unprecedented thing that you know, pandemics. Um, uh, have been around as long as human history has been around. Um, but like, I, I'm sure there. I'm, I'm not. I'm sure, and I'm sure you could think of like other scenarios where this would be useful. But like, I, I'm, I'm thinking like, what other scenarios would you be in where venues are shut down? And you still have to make money. You know what I mean? Right. It's like maybe if there's like a war in your country and it's getting like firebombed like England did during World War Two, But like even then, it's just like at that point, you're not running cards. Right. <laughs> and then who knows? Like you yeah. might experience a second wave and that might change things. That's but true. I- yeah, I just think for now, bare minimum, everybody's gonna just gonna try to find some central hub I, I, that they can. I, I do think there's gonna be a rise in like shady, um, like land slash uh, arena slash stadium owners. Oh yeah, yeah, like, Def- yeah. Oh, that's definitely going down. Yeah, like 
Jacksonville um, is open, so or like Florida is open, so like I got Shoot. this high school gymnasium. And, yeah, I was gonna say keep keep an eye on Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> keep an eye on Atlanta. That might be the next spot because apparently they just they down there wilding too. Um, but yeah, everybody's gonna try to find their little home, their little hub to to make things happen. But we'll we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But uh, once again, thank you guys for the questions, man. Definitely, definitely appreciate it. Uh, gave gave some extra content for this, this last episode. But now we are here, main event. Uh, what you guys came here for? Or maybe you didn't come here for this, but you're gonna get it anyway. Uh, it is time for us to do our top ten favorite fights of all time. Uh, so. Real quick before we get started, um, was there anything about making this list that surprised you? Like, was there a certain fight you thought that would make it that didn't, or a certain fighter that made it that did that you thought would make it that didn't, or like what 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 went into to creating this list? Um, this is the fight that I could pop on and be like, yeah, I'll sit here and watch the entire thing the way through. Um. Like, I didn't really have a criteria. It's just the fights that brought me the most amount of joy, you know? Hmm. I, I think the thing, if there's anything that surprised me, it was just like, oh, like, it's just like, I got to, like, so I told you, um, I have, like, a list of, like, 30 or 40 fights in front of me. I'm just going to pick them at random. Because, like, they're all my favorites. <laughs> they're, they're all my favorites. Also, like, I, I'm sure we're going to have fights that overlap. Um, But, like... For me to sit here and be like, oh, this is, this made the cut over this one, and it's just like, it, it felt like too arbitrary. It depends on like what I want to see at the moment, you know, my mood. Um, so, like, but like, I think the thing that surprised me, or not surprised so much, is just like, oh, yeah, I, I'm only human. Um, it's just how much I forgot, because there's a lot of fights on this list Yeah, I'm looking at where I'm like, I forgot this fight happened, or I, or I'm looking at the list, I'm like, there are, like, a lot of fights I know for a fact I would have on this list right now if I could just remember them. Because mm -hmm. you, you watch, like, a thousand fights a year, you're just going to forget a bunch of them. Even if you really, really enjoyed them. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, guys, like, we're, we're doing this just kind of for fun. Like, well, I, I'll say for mine, I think my number one and two are pretty definitive. I'll stick by those. Everything after that, <laughs> it was kind of like a free-for-all. Like you said, man, we watch... The number of fights we've probably watched in our lifetime is a ridiculous number. You can't remember everything. It's it's hard to even weigh like what fight meant more to you than the other. A lot of mine were... All of the fights on my list for me were kind of just like moments for one reason or another. Either I was like really personally in, like invested in it or, like you said, it was just something that, like, it was pure entertainment. Like, I was just thoroughly entertained watching it. And I could watch it any time of the day. You could throw it on any time of the day, and I'm going to watch it. Um, I had one surprise. There's one fight that I'll mention in my honorable mentions that I for sure thought was going to make my top ten. And it didn't. And at one point, this was one of my favorite fights. And I was surprised. Not only did it not make my top ten... When I finished my list, I didn't even consider throwing it into a spot, like try to sneak it in. I was like, oh, maybe I don't 
feel as good about this fight as I thought I did. Um, but it's still a great fight, nonetheless. Um, so, uh, my idea, I guess, for this, well, I guess it might be kind of different because you're just going to pick 10, but instead of us, uh, instead of me going all the way 10 through 1 and then you going 10 through 1, uh, I figured we would just alternate. Um, I'll kick it off, I'll do my 10, you do your 10, I'll do my 9, you do your 9. Um, but before we do that, if you have any, well, it, this might be harder for you to do because yours aren't numbered, <laughs> but I was going to say, uh, list some honorable mentions, ones that probably won't make top 10, but they were like just, they were just out. Um, I'll kick mine off since I actually have mine kind of numbered and listed out here. Um, honorable mentions for fights that didn't make my top 10, they were right out there. Um, the first one I have to mention is because this one was my number 10 up until this morning, uh, was Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz 1. Um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on this podcast. I probably have, but I hated Tito Ortiz. Um, when I, like, first started watching MMA, I did not like Tito Ortiz at all. And Chuck Liddell is, like, one of my all-time favorites. So seeing Chuck be able to put the pause on Tito, I can't describe the joy that that brought me. And, like, that finishing sequence for me is just iconic when he just has him backed up against the cage and he just unleashes, like, an eight-piece flurry. Albeit, I think Ortiz probably blocked some of it, but he was just curled up, just catching hands. And that that put a, a good smile on my face. <laughs> so that uh, is an honorable mention. Um, another fight that was, ooh, just out of the top ten, Benson Henderson versus Anthony Pettis. Um, I still remember literally yelling when he landed that kick. Like, I was literally in my room, like, yelling. Like, <laughs> never seen nothing like that. Um, it hurt me because I was, uh, Bendo's one of my, my favorites, so I didn't want to see him lose, but the Showtime kick is just, like, literally out of a movie. You can't, you can't beat that. Um, so I got, a, I got a few honorable mentions. I got six of them. Uh, I won't spend too much time on the rest of these. Um, another honorable mention was Angela Lee versus Mei Yamaguchi. Um, a lot of my fights are actually title fights, which surprised me. I was surprised that my attention span would let me watch these for so long. But that, to me, is just an amazing, amazing fight. That's another fight that every now and again I just I just go back and just watch, like, just because. Um, the fight that most surprised me that did not make my top ten was John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson, uh, the first one. That was, at the time when it happened, like, I loved that fight. And I would go back and watch it. If I saw it replaying on TV, I would watch it. It's one of the first times we saw Jones look human. And I couldn't put it in my top ten. I wanted to, but I couldn't. It couldn't, just, just, just didn't quite make it. Um, and my last two honorable mentions were Gina Carano versus Chris Cyborg, uh, which was a moment for me. I still remember watching that fight because I didn't know who Chris Cyborg was. And <laughs> I found out that day. I found out that day. Um, that was like, that was just a moment for me. I was like, who is this woman? Because she, uh, she is a problem. <laughs> she is an issue out here um and my last honorable mention uh which i knew wouldn't make my top 10 but i wanted to give it a shout out uh was nikki holskin versus joe Val uh valtellini um that for me because like i said I, i'm of all the combat sports i watched like kickboxing was the one i was probably like the least knowledgeable about and the one i probably watched the least um 
and Nikki was kind of one of the first guys I remember watching that like all right I start watching this glory thing because this guy is a he is a technician and it is really beautiful to watch him fight um so that was my last honorable mention I mean as as you noted I have like 40 here so like I'm, I'm sure I won't get to talk about all of them um Um, uh, some, uh, like I have uh, uh, Shogun Hendo one on here, um, mm. which is a tremendous, tremendous, um, just all out brawl. Um, Hunt versus Bigfoot. That's another really good one. Um, I actually had someone a couple weeks ago. Um, I, actually, I think it was last week. I posted um, that we would be talking about our favorite fights this week, and someone brought up Hunt versus Bigfoot, and I was like, this is the first fight I saw, um, and it made me an instant MMA fan. I was like, wow. Mm. That's a wild entry point. Yeah. <laughs> that is a crazy entry point. I'm like, dude, like, props, but like, that's the only heavyweight fight that's like, it's not the only heavyweight fight that's like that, but like, most of them are not that back and forth. Um... Like I, I'm trying to be judicious here because like there are not a ton of like really older fights on here. Like um, Gomi Pulver is a fight I love. It's like oh wow, this is some like legitimately good boxing for like that mid two thousands like era level of MMA. Hmm. But at the same time, like by today's standards, it's not anything special in terms of right. like skill or technique not in terms of like entertainment it's a very entertaining fight um like um and some of these fights i'm just not going to bring up because i don't remember them too well i just remember them being really fun um like i have borg versus scoggins and borg versus ortiz on here which were both just if you like scrambling if you like submission attempts if you like guys just like going balls to the wall with their uh with their grappling those are just two fantastic fights, and that's why I'm always going to have a soft spot for Ray Borg, even though he's going to continually miss weight for the rest of his career. <laughs> um, just complete fun action. Um, that made me think of something. I'll, I'll let you finish, though. Um, for boxing, um, a fight that I um, I remember watching with all, like, it, Timothy Bradley versus Ruslan Prabodnikov. Um it's not one of the greatest fights ever, um, it, but okay, like that, that, that's only because boxing's been around 130 years now in gloves, and uh, it, like the narrative for that fight, Bradley was coming off the Pacquiao win, which I thought he lost, and I was really upset about that because I was a Pacquiao fan at the time. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna see who's up for Rodnikov, just beat the crap out of him, and he did. To his credit, he did. Um, but good God, did Provodnikov and um, and and Bradley made a fan out of me that night because oh my God, he he took a lot to win that fight. That that, and then he came back and beat Juan Manuel Marquez. And I was like, after this after this fight, I was like, there's no way he's going to have anything left in his career. That's where I was at with him because like you know boxing, like you take you go through those like really hard fights. And you de- you just mm. end up not being the same ever again. Um, but to to uh, his credit, he came back and won his next 
the next fight, arguably the best win of his career. Um, if you don't consider the first uh, Pacquiao fight to be a win for him, um, so like that, that that's a fight where it's just like the narrative and um, you know the level of heart displayed and victory and loss and like it's just like one of those things. Where it's like okay, he he made a fan out of me. He, I went from hater to the fan in one fight. Um, so like those are a few that pro- I probably will not be. Uh, that that won't be in my top ten, but. Just fights like they give you a general view of what I like when I see while I'm watching fights. When you mentioned scrambling, uh, I wouldn't say this was an all time. It, it might have been if, if I did an all time favorite, it'd be low, way lower on the list. But a fight that I really, really appreciated that I don't think a lot of people care for it, that I actually <laughs> really enjoyed watching was Jake Shields versus Damian Maya. That was a great fight. That was a great Anybody fight. Who says differently is a liar. Like, I knew that wouldn't make my top ten, but I wanted to mention it because I I don't think people really appreciate that fight enough. That was a great fight. Yeah, it's not you know rock'em sock'em robots, but but you got two of the best grapplers ever. Like, I don't understand how you can't appreciate that. That fight to me was great. <laughs> so I had to give I had to give that a mention. Um. So I guess we'll go ahead and uh, kick this off. Uh, I'll just say for my list, <laughs> um, I, did, I didn't go full, uh, you know, I don't have any random obscure fights. I think my list is pretty straightforward. Um, I think the most that I can say for my list, I, I have two fights that I think are pretty underrated that I don't think people talk about enough. Um, and I'll, I'll mention those when I get to them. Uh, but without further ado, our top ten. Favorite fights of all time. Um, you want to kick this off, or you want me to kick this off? Um, yeah, I got a number. I I, I got I got you. I I I'll, I'll kick you off with number one. Um, I really hope our lists don't oh. overlap too much because oh, I want to start from the bottom. Or are you just gonna do? But no, I mean I don't have like a particular order. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I have two that are like my absolute number one and number two. Yeah, actually three. Um. Like my one through three, so I'll keep those for the end. But uh, I'll kick us off with uh, a fight I've talked about here before. Um, I, were, I, it's, I think it's one of the few fights I actually rewatched for this. Um, um, it was Miguel Torres versus Takemi Tagati, uh, Mizugaki. Mm, that was another one. I forgot to write that down, and I, I watched that one too. Yeah, no, um, like I rewatched it um, earlier last week, and it, it was a fine fight. It was a really good fight. Um, like, it wasn't the all-out, like, wild barn burner I remembered it as, but it was the fight that got me into MMA. Um, just mm. seeing it, like, on the random Versus channel, um, probably, like, a year after it happened. Um, now it's the thing that was like, okay, this is this MMA shit is legit. Uh, I, I really want to know more about it. Um, so, uh, just fantastic bantamweight fight. Um kind of wild how far the divisions come since then mm. um in, in like 10 years because like like i said like looking um like with those older fights like the technical skill is so much not great yeah <laughs> um as it yeah. as it would be and you know it's the same with any sport um so like yeah, I, things, I'm things evolve and change yeah thing, things yeah. change over time Athletes get better. They get better training. Um, but for what it was, it was a tremendous fight. Um, 
lots of heart shown by Mizugaki, who just refused to be, um, uh, like just who refused to break, um, in the face of like Miguel Torres's reach and volume and pressure. Um, so just great, great fight. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, if you haven't seen Miguel Torres's run through WC, go check that out. That's that, that that's yeah, some if, wild stuff. If I if I had if this was an all time favorite fighter list. Miguel was up there for me. He was, because that period back then, that was kind of like my favorite like era of MMA. And when I first started watching WC, he was he was the guy for me. He was that guy for me. Um, good one, good pick. I'm glad somebody got brought him up. I, he was he was close on my list too and didn't didn't make. That's that's a good pick. Um, my number ten. <laughs> I, I just happened to rewatch this this morning. I was like, nah, man, I, I got to throw this on there. And like I said, my list, it's, it ain't nothing crazy obscure. It's straight to the point. Uh, my number 10 is Anderson Silva versus Forrest Griffin. Um, <laughs> this fight made my list for a couple reasons. Um, one, Anderson Silva just matrixed the man. Like, he, he caught Forrest with like a left, staggered him, and then they have this encounter in the center where he does the infamous Bob Weave duck under, come back up with the left. And dropped him. And then he ends the fight. <laughs> Forrest just tries to flurry him. But Anderson Silva just stepped back. And just gave him like a death palm. <laughs> just, just, just floored him. Just floored. And Forrest Griffin immediately left the cage. Like didn't stick around for the He got out of that arena so quick. Um, but my favorite part about that fight. I, is not the fight. No, it's the exactly. interview. <laughs> the uh. There's an interview he did on uh, what was the show Jason Ellis show I think, um, and they <laughs> they asked him about the fight and Forrest gave like the realest answer ever and I will forever respect him for a lot of fighters will lose a fight and make up a thousand excuses, nah he he went in there he he pretty much said in the interview like nah he <laughs> he was like why why would you try to hit me you slow white boy like why would you try to do such a thing. It was a really funny interview, um, but nah, man, Anderson Silva just watching him fight back then was like, bro, what? Who is this guy? Like, how? How is he doing this? Like, he was just clowning on dudes, and that that fight for me just will always stick out. Um, one 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 of his best Matrix performances. Uh, so that is my number ten, Anderson Silva versus Forrest Griffin. All right, so, so a solid choice. Um, I was gonna say. He, like Forrest Griffin's favorite thing was just running out of the cage when he lost. Because <laughs> uh, he he did the same thing to Tito Ortiz after he beat him, quote unquote. Um, and I think what was Tito's last fight in the UFC, if I remember correctly. Um, but I don't know. I find that funny. Um. Uh. Number nine, and again, my list is in no particular order. Do not take it at that value. Um, th- there would be a lot of bo- like I, I really just want to cut off all the boxing because like there's so much I'm made to get to. But I, I think I'm gonna just pick one fight, more fight from boxing. Um, and my my favorite fight, uh, my favorite boxing match of all time: uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, one. Um, if you want to see the best infighting, the best infighter 
in boxing, um, you you watch Roberto Duran drag Sugar Ray Leonard into what is ostensibly a fumble fight. Both men just leaning on each other, trying to make space to punch one another. It's just like Duran was like it, it, it's obvious now. By the time Duran um, was labeled like a brawler. Uh, people were not really high up on his boxing skills. Uh, freaking everybody thought that it, a lot of people thought that Duran was going to be an easy fight for Leonard. And um, just watching, like Duran is one of the most skilled boxers of all time. Like in out whatever, like he is legitimately one of the best boxers, skill for skill in the history of the sport. Um, and seeing him being able to drag Sugar Ray Leonard into that type of fight, yeah, you know, do a lot of provo- uh, uh, provocation, um, you know, using his mouth, um, saying he was going to fuck his wife after he fucked him in the ring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, Duran realized he was the heel early on. He just leaned heavy into that shit, um, which is like tremendous, tremendous infighting, like. You'll never see guys throwing tighter uppercuts than Roberto Duran with his show with his forehead in somebody's shoulder. Um, just absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you if you've never if you've never seen the fight before, go watch it. Um, yeah, that's yeah, my- a lot of those old boxing fights. I got to go back and do 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 my homework on any of those four king fights, man. Hearns, Hagler, uh, Leonard. Duran, all fantastic stuff. Boom. There we go. I knew you were gonna bring gems that I just weren't wasn't gonna mention. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> fuck, fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go one more fight after one more boxing match after this, and then I'll be done. Um, right. like your turn. Number what's number nine? Number eight? nine. Nine. Okay. Number nine. All right, my number nine favorite fight of all time. I actually snuck in. It wasn't on my list at first, but I, it, it, it ended up getting in there. Um, Michael Chandler versus Eddie Alvarez won. Hey. Um, first, I'm going to say real quick. I, I, I know people like, we you know, we poke fun at Bellator. They're like MMA's little, like, stepbrother that has to stay in the other room. <laughs> Bellator has a lot of good fights in their history. I know we rag on them, but they've got some, they've got a few classics under their belt. Um, and th- this is definitely one of them. Um. This this was a, a I always remember this fight because I was a, a big Eddie Alvarez fan, Underground King. Like we knew who if he, if he was in the know, you knew who Eddie Alvarez was. I wasn't too familiar with Michael Chandler at the time, so I was like, who is this? Who is this guy? And then uh, they proceeded to go in there and just beat the life. <laughs> they just back and forth, just beat the life out of each other. And I was on the edge of my seat watching this fight because, like I said, I didn't know who Chandler was. So I'm watching Eddie in here. He's getting tagged. He's tagging him. And I'm like, bro, what am I watching? Like, this is this is craziness. And then when Chandler hits that choke at, I forgot what round it was. Four? Or did it go five? I can't remember. But two. But was it just two? Why did that fight feel so long? Like, it just felt like, <laughs> it felt like they were fighting, they, like, forever. They had a rematch that went five rounds. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. They did it. Am I misremembering, or was it actually just two? I feel like it was just two. 
was, I don't know why that fight felt so long. Like, it just felt like they just, nobody wanted to die. Like, they just oh, they, kept. They went four. I'm crazy. Yeah, I thought it did go, yeah, they did go four. Yeah, he subbed, he subbed them in four. And I just remember when he landed that choke, and I was like, oh, no, Eddie lost. <laughs> but, um. I put it on there, one, because it was an amazing fight, even though the guy was rooting for a loss. But also for me, like, it, it marked the start of, like... The most bizarre MMA career of all time. That, <laughs> both of them. But, like, that was the birth of, like, Bellator Star. Like, I, I didn't know it when it happened, but I was like, that guy's a, he's a staple. Like, and he became, like, the face of that company. And... He was just the, he was the guy for a long time who I looked at outside of the UFC and I was like, okay, it's it's possible to be a star and make. You don't have to be in the UFC to make something of yourself, pretty much. Not like I didn't know that, but like, he just became for me like another example. Like, okay, there there are guys outside of the UFC who are just as good and are making a good living for themselves. Um. And he was an he was an incredible fighter, man. He it was just an amazing fight, back and forth, blood, just it, amazing fight. Like I like I said, people make fun of Bellator. They have some classics under their belt. It, it's wild it's never... for uh, for Chandler. Like, how many other dudes can say that they have two wins uh, wins over two UFC champions? Right, <laughs> and never step foot. And never into step... the UFC. Yep, exactly. Never stepped foot. Um, and that second fight was great, too. Second fight was great, too. Um, uh, but that's my number nine, Michael Chandler versus Eddie Alvarez one. All right. Um, I, I said, I'm going to just get all my non-MMA-related ones out the way early. Um, so, number eight. Um, Hagler Hearns. Hey. Three rounds, just arguably the best round of boxing ever with that first round. Um, just absolute ferocity, ridiculous intensity. Um, I, 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 I honest to God, I don't know. When, like it, when people talk about like the '80s and like the golden era of boxing, and like this is the fight they're talking about, like both literally and like metaphorically, like this is what you want from like two world class athletes at the top of their games, just go neck and neck at one another. Um, like, have you seen the fight? I don't remember if I've watched this one. This might go and be on the list of fights that I've always heard about, and I don't remember if I ever went back and watched it. It is arguably the greatest boxing match of all time. Um, it's, I, like I, anything I say, devalues how good the fight was because it was just that good. Um, and again, it did not go ten rounds. It it, it went. Not, it, it didn't even go nine minutes. It was just eight minutes of just insanity. Uh, two guys fighting as hard as humanly possible. Um, and, uh, you know, Marvin Hagler's best win ever. Um, like, I, 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 I don't know. 
I, I, I don't know how to explain it to somebody who's not seen it. Um, like, if there's one fight from this list that you haven't seen that you should go watch, it should be this fight. Or from my list, anyway. Um, like I said, it won't even take you 10 minutes, but it's just intensity. Intensity. Will do. All right. There you go. Make sure you guys watch all these fights we mentioned, if you haven't. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure I have uh, have some fun homework to do. All right, moving on to, what is this, number eight? Yeah, number eight. Uh, number eight, all-time favorite fight. Got to put my homie on here, man, my all-time favorite, even though he only made number eight. But my man, George St. Pierre versus Carlos Condit. Um, this wasn't like GSP's, I think, like best fight. Like, he's had, I think, better performances. But I think the reason I, this fight for me, like, was one of my all-time favorites is just kind of... I remember this is one of the few. This might be the only GSP fight that I did not see in real time. I was at work when this happened, and I was so angry. <laughs> I was working overnights at Toys R Us. So I'm unloading trucks. And every, like, two to three minutes, I'm sneaking away and my homie's texting me, letting me know what's going on in the fight. Because I'm at work losing it, like, mad that I can't watch it, nervous because I don't know what's going on. Next thing I know, I get a text message, oh, he dropped GSP with a kick. I'm like, bro, what is happening? Like, I'm losing my mind figuring out what's, what's going on in this fight. But, um, now nah, this, this, this fight for me meant a lot. One, GSP was my all-time favorite, um... Condit was another all-time favorite. I was happy to finally see him, like, get his title shot. And I was like, if there's one guy that GSP loses to who I won't hate automatically, it would be Carlos Condit, if he happens to win. Um, it was a nice, <laughs> bloody fight. I uh, think this was one that gave us that iconic picture of Condit where he had, like, the blood that's, like, halfway down one side of his face. And he <laughs> he, he looks like a straight-up killer for real. Um the, the sequence when he did the one-two duck under, come up with the head kick to GSP was beautiful. Um, and I want to say, didn't GS, GSP have like a layoff before that fight, right? Or injury, or... He, that was his return fight after um, yeah, yeah. after the ACL tear. Yeah, yeah. Like, we hadn't seen GSP in a while. And Condit was like that dude back then. So I was like, oh man, like this... I was just, I was so hyped for this fight. Um... So it was great to see GSP come back. He looked great. He was huge, bro. <laughs> like he, that man, like he spent his whole time with ACL tear just doing bench presses. Like I remember, he he looked like a running back when he came back. But um, now nah, it was an entertaining, just bloody fight. Um, I mean, eventually throughout the fight, it it, it was kind of one sided, but it was two of my favorite fighters and just everything surrounding it, like GSP coming off the ACL tear, not knowing what he was gonna look like. Condit actually like hurting him in the fight and getting a chance to like possibly win. I just I had so many emotions like just watching this fight, and it's still every time I watch it, it it takes me back. Like I still remember pacing up and down that Toys R Us aisle waiting for the text <laughs> to figure out like yo what's going on. Um, so yeah, man, that that fight to me all, always will hold a special place for me. Uh, two two of my all time favorite fighters facing off. Um, and GSP ultimately get getting the nod uh, after the ACL tear. So that's my number eight, uh, George St. Pierre versus Carlos Condit. All right. 
solid, solid, solid. Um, I, have, I guess I'm gonna get my kick, my non mixed martial arts ones out the way early because I know people are here for the MMA stuff. So, um, uh, number seven, we have seven already. Um, yep. All right, number seven, um, Zambides versus Shahid. Um, it's the best kickboxing match of all time. Um, just, like, you want to talk war, um, you want to talk just drama, um, you want to talk all these different elements that we normally like in, like, these big, violent fights, um, Zimbi... Shahid had it in spades. The only thing it didn't have going for it wasn't a title fight because neither guy is like neither guy is Georgia Petrosian, unfortunately, um, or or Andy Sauer. But point being, uh, it was a it was an amazing. Sorry, I tried to turn the fight on. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> My bad. It, it, like it was just an an immense um, testament to just like how much action you can fit into like um a 12 minute span um zambidi like this is the fight like you know that if you are new to kickboxing there's the fight i always suggest um just because it's so have much you showed fun. me this before yes yes um yeah i have watched this before this was yeah this was a really good fight yeah, it is arguably the best kickboxing match of all time um just tremendous stuff um just Zambides, um, Shahid walking forward and Zambides refusing to be scared off, just throwing bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb. It is literally 12 minutes. Like, and it's not like, you know, the bombs we're used to seeing in MMA where guys are just like heaving overhand rice from across the cage. Like, these guys. I like it looks clean. Yeah, no, this is some <laughs> clean, clean. This is high level. Clean stuff. Um. If you, like I guess, if you if you wanted an entry point to kickboxing, this is the fight for you. Um, it is yeah. I mean, this is what literally was, if you go to YouTube and type in Zambides versus, it's the first yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, like if um, if you're one of those people who don't like grappling, like and you want all MMA, this is the fight that all those people who don't like grappling want all MMA fights to look like. So, um, right. yeah, just a straight-up war of attrition. Um, so, yeah, go give that watch. High-level kickboxing is really, like, beautiful to watch. Mm -hmm. It's like you said, like, it's it's a war, but it's it's clean. Like, this, nobody's winging, like, some ugly... We're not getting some Todd know. Duffy, Francis Ngannou-style slap punches. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, this is all clean. Solid pick. Solid, solid, definitely, definitely good pick. Um, so we had number seven. Uh, my number seven fight, I'm only surprised that I didn't put it higher on the list. Uh, but you guys, I've talked about this fight plenty of times and how much joy that it brings me. Uh, number seven all-time favorite fight, Michael Bisbing versus Luke Rockhold 2. Um, there was no way this fight wasn't going to make my list. Um as you guys know, I'm like one of two Michael Bisping fans uh, in the United States. Everybody hates him. Even the, it's, it's fine. That, the other one is his son. It's just his wife. 
<laughs> but nah, Bisbing has always been my guy. Albeit, I know a lot of the hate he, he put on himself. But I, I get it. But um, nah, man, he, he's been like one of my favorites for a long time. And I, I just remember after the, I've mentioned it before, after he lost to Chael Sonnen, I was like, oh man, I thought that was like his one chance. And he didn't, he lost a really close fight. I was like, man, he's probably never, he might not ever make it. And then a few years later, man, he keeps himself relevant, goes on this crazy run, regardless of how you may feel about how those fights went. He got himself in his position to get the title shot, and he got it. And, like, not only did he win, man, but he he put Rockhold out. Like, that, every time I watch that fight, I'm just like, that, that whole card really was amazing. But that, for me, just, like... That might have been, like, my happiest moment ever watching an MMA fight. Like, I was so happy that he finally... I didn't care about anything else that happened after that. Like, I know people don't like his defense against Dan Henderson. None of that... I didn't care about any of that. The fact that he just won a title... I was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm happy. You, you, you finally made it to the mountaintop that I wasn't sure you would ever reach. And you did it. And the person that you beat made it, like, all the better... That you knocked out Luke Rockhold, who has never really been the same. <laughs> he, he's his career has uh take taken a little plunge after that. Yeah. But um. Yeah. Just based on the immense joy that this fight had to make my list, and Bisbing being one of my one of my favorites. Uh, so number seven for me, Michael Bisbing versus Luke Rockhold too. All right, so um, we're up to number six and. I had a couple other non-MMA ones, but I'm just going to stick to the, the, the MMA ones for now on because I have, like, 15 of them here that I have to pick from on the spot. Um, you know, I'm going to go with one that that was not in the UFC or Bellator or Pride or um, a, a, any of the promotions that the people who don't follow regional MMA probably aren't familiar with. Um Magomed Magomedov versus Petryan one. Hey. Yeah. No. Um. You want to talk about complete style clash? You got the grappler and Magomed Magomedov, and then you have the striker, boxer, uh, and Petryan. Petryan proceeds to just put an absolute beating onto Magomed Magomedov, but Magomed Magomedov keeps getting the takedown, keeps being able to control Yan on the ground and do some damage there. Um. And it's just. Like if you want a distillation, like what are your like what MMA is, and like just if you want an example of like just how this sport can look at, like when you have like two extremes fighting one another, it'd be Petryan versus Magomed Magomedov. It is just an amazingly good fight. Ama- like and it's not like Jan's a bad grappler. He has some like amazing scrambling sequences and like takedown defense attempts in that fight. Um, you know, Mad 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 was just the more determined fighter, um, and just was able to get the better positions on his entries at certain points to get the takedowns. It's just, uh, just absolutely fantastic fight. If you've never seen it before, go watch it along with like the five other fights I mentioned to go watch. But it's it's like some high level MMA. Um and just a reminder that you can find high level MMA anywhere. Um 
You know, it doesn't have to be in the UFC or Bellator. It can be on a random card in, like, Chechnya. Yep. And I'll say to Antaku's credit, he he was preaching the Petty Young gospel very early. <laughs> Since that fight he, on. Basically. Yeah. He was put, he's he preaching that gospel. So, see, you guys should have been listening to us. We were, we were putting y'all on game. Um, but no, that, that is an amazing fight. That was one of those ones you mentioned that I had, I did have to go back and watch. Um, so yeah, really, really good pick. Um, my number six, a fight that I think is really criminally underrated. People don't talk about enough. And I thought this fight was amazing. Um, my number six is going to be Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendes too. Um, what's wild is I thought this was like the best Chad Mendes has ever looked. And he still lost. <laughs> like... Bro, he, you could tell that between the first fight and when it, when that fight took place, that he had clearly been working on his stand-up. He was bouncing around, throwing good combinations. He had like, something uh, he like dropped, three or four knockouts in a row, didn't he? Or five, maybe. Um, yeah. He was working with Chan, uh, Ludwig. Yeah. Hands were looking good. Hands were looking real, <laughs> real, real clean and crisp. Um, dropped Aldo in the first with a left that kind of stunned up a little bit. It was a fun, just little technical MMA like kickboxing match. L- a few t- takedowns. I think Chad got one later in the fight. Um, also, another fight that shows how crazy Aldo's takedown defense is. Mendez went for a takedown. I can't remember. It was in one of the earlier rounds. Just watching Aldo just scramble out of takedowns. It's like it's like when you grab him, his body goes into like a panic mode, and he's like, no, 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 and he just <laughs> he just finds ways to just get out, and it is crazy to watch. But they had a, a very, I, I feel like this, this fight is just one of the ones on my list that I find just aesthetically pleasing to watch. It is just a really fun, high paced, just like back and forth kind of kickboxing match. Um, one of the one of the last better Aldo performances. I, I, one one of the last Aldo fights that, that to me that looked like vintage Aldo before he kind of I don't say fell off, but you I, th- know. I think this fight took both of their primes away from them. Yeah, yeah, they both took some licks. Um, both slowly kind of sort of hit a, hit a, hit a decline after this, but. This was just really just aesthetically just fun to watch. Just Chad Mendez was at the top of his game, but Aldo showed that he was still 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 the goat for a reason. But my God, it was fun to watch them just go back and forth. Um, really, just beautiful technique. Just it's it was so fun to watch. Um, a fight that I don't think really gets enough credit. But for me, this I thoroughly enjoy watching this. Um, so my number six. Uh, Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendes too. Um, well, you nicked one of mine. Finally, because <laughs> uh, I had that one coming up, but uh, I'll save it for later. Um, let's see, so we have five left, right? So I got one, yep. two, three, which are my top three. So I need a four and a five. Mm. I feel like I'm playing bingo. Um, it's getting real. Yeah, getting real. Uh, you know what? Uh, at number five, I will go with. Oh, uh, you know what? I have my number four. But oh, number five, I will go with Whitaker Romero two. Mm. Um, 
the narrative around that fight, Robert Whitaker had been out for a year due to injuries. Um, the first being the injury he sustained in the uh, the first fight with Yoel Romero, uh, where Yoel Romero um, landed, I believe it was a uh, one of those push kicks to the knee that completely tore everything in Robert Whitaker's knee. Um, Whitaker, being the gamer that he is, lost the first... Like, managed to still win three rounds of the fight, basically on one leg. As Yoel yep. Romero, who is the most terrifying fighter in MMA history, <laughs> um, just absolute banana stuff. And that's fight one. Um, Romero was not Romero. Um, if I remember correctly, Whitaker was supposed to come back a few months um, previously to this fight, but had to pull out because. And like, and if I, if he had got punched in the stomach, his his intestines were so bad that if he had got punched in the stomach, there was a decent chance he might have died. Jeez. Yeah, I remember that. Um, like his intestines were all types of fucked up and like twisted around. He was still trying to make the fight the day of or the day before. Um, I think that's why we ended up getting Romero rockhold in the interim. Um, which would eventually lead to us getting this fight, uh, Whitaker Romero two, which was basically the opposite of the first fight, where Whitaker came out and won the first two rounds, and then Romero decided he was going to start fighting in the third round, so he didn't get tired, <laughs> which is at, and which leads to, like what I can only describe as like the most insane three rounds. Of championship fighting in MMA history, where Whitaker should have died like four yes, times. Yes, Whitaker is getting knocked <laughs> around the cage. Proceeds to land a head kick on Yoel Romero, who eats it like he just got bit by a fly, and continued marching forward like a psychopath. It, it was the most insane, the most intense thing. I think I've ever seen um, in terms of like a champion having to dig deep and win a fight that he he basically had in the bag in the first two rounds um, late. Just bonkers, bonkers stuff. Um, and unfortunately, this would be the fight that probably robbed Robert Whitaker of like the rest of his prime. Um, yeah. <laughs> You don't know. He'll come back from that. He was gone for another year uh, after this fight. Yeah. Like, it's worth noting that uh, that, that I, I call it a championship fight. Uh, Romero missed weight for the fight. Um, bec- it, the fight took place in Chicago, which had some weird rules where uh, Romero was like, he stopped. Well, Romero basically stopped cutting weight early because he was under the impression that the Illinois State Athletic Commission would just give him two more hours if he weighed in. Um, if he weighed in, miss weight, so he could have like an extra like two hours to lose a pound, so he could uh, make weight. But they were just like, no, uh, we have to have you evaluated by the doctor, and the doctor says that you are way too dehydrated to continue cutting weight. So um, this is the weight you're gonna fight at if the fight continues. Um, that's a little nugget that gets left off the, uh, the, the 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 retellings of that fight um but just even if it wasn't for the title it was just absolutely fucking insane um like one of the best fights ever easily hands down um 
Also, I understand there's like a recency bias on my list. Um, deal with it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can't really argue that fight though. Like, go find your favorite fight from 2003 and see if it really. You know. I mean, I got a couple on here that I was like, uh, if I have time, like, like, you know, um, I'll, I'll shout them out at the end. Um, I, but I have my top four, I think. You know, what? I'm gonna take. Although Mendes too was on that in that top three, but I'm gonna take it off because you had it on yours. So, All yeah. Right. All right, good, good, good pick. That was a really yeah. That fight was. Whitaker came back to life like five different times, and it was. <laughs> it's still hard to believe. I remember watching him at welterweight, and if you'd have told me that that guy was gonna be like middleweight champ, like back when I first saw him, I would not have believed you. But. Yeah, that, that fight was insanity. Um, my number five. Um, a fight that I never get tired of watching. I watched it again this morning just to make sure I wasn't bugging. I was like, nope, it still holds up. I still love it. You can't change my mind. Uh, like you might be recency biased, I don't care. Uh, number five, uh, Israel Adesanya versus Kelvin Gastelum. Um Wow, <laughs> like just, man, just, this is the only fight on my list. I knew this was going to make my list off the simple fact that I remember, I think I mentioned this one time on here, I remember watching this fight, like re-watching it, like right after it happened, like the day after, and I remember watching that fifth round, because up until that point, like they both had beat each other up pretty pretty good like Adesanya's lips were swollen um I can't remember if the fourth round was when he got head kicked and did the little stanky leg um either way they both had taken their licks and somebody needed to pull away because you never know what judges are watching or looking at so you wanted kind of somebody to pull away to kind of really put a stamp on the fight and Adesanya just after taking the punishment he's taken, I know dude is tired and gassed. Man turned up. <laughs> turned up in the fifth round. And I'm like, I don't know where he found the energy. I don't know how he did it. But but I felt like emotional watching that fight. Like I <laughs> like I felt like inspired. Like it was some real like movie type like I don't know how he's doing this, but I was, like, in awe watching that fifth round. I mean, the whole fight is amazing. But to see him in that fifth round after all the punishment he took and just the way he performed, he almost stopped Gaston, like, three times in the fifth round. Like, they arguably could have stopped it in, like, those last, like, ten seconds. And it probably would have been justified. But, you know, last ten, they probably just, just let it rock. But, man, Gaston's putting hands on Adesanya, the most we've ever seen him hurt. Um, the head kick he caught him with that I don't think anybody really saw coming. I didn't know Gaslam could lift his legs up that high. <laughs> kick, caught, caught Adesanya right on the side of the face. Adesanya, though, just rebounding, never lost composure, still doing his pinpoint striking. It was one of the best performances to me I've ever seen in a championship fight. I was amazed watching that. Um... And like I said, the, 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 to see the way Adesanya put it together in the fifth was just like, bro, this this man, like, he really did it. Like, we went from, 
well, the UFC might be rushing him to a title shot. Like, we want them to, you know, we don't want him to burn out or you know, make him take a loss early and derail him. It went from that to, oh, he's champ. Like, <laughs> he just, man came up from kickboxing. Like, nah, bro, I got this. And it that fight amazes me every time I watch it. And that fifth round gets me every time I watch it. I'm like, bro, I have no idea how he, how he pulled that off. But just be, just so much heart in that fight, really from both of them. Um, but just the way Adesanya was just able to keep composure and seize the moment, that that fight for me will always be a top fight. Um, so my number five is Adesanya versus Calvin Gaslam. Okay. Um, so, I said this was our top ten fights of all time, right? That means these are the fights that brought us the most joy in the moment, right? And I could, oh, and, and I cannot say I can say for fact that no fight in that I've ever watched has brought me more joy. Watching it live in Dada 5000 versus Kimbo Slice. <laughs> I knew one of us was going to have something crazy. <laughs> I mean, guy. Oh, man. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Like, that's... These, these two men managed to elevate a Miami street beef into one of the most watched fights in the history of mixed martial arts in, the, in North America. <laughs> and got paid a decent chunk of change for it. How am I not supposed to be a fan of that? Like, I, I'm, I, I am far from the elitist. The only good fights are, are like, you know, the, the fights between high-level fighters. Like, Kimbo Slice is like the American dream. Like this dude got famous. Legit. Yeah, like this dude got famous fighting on porn sites, and he went on to have a professional fight career in both MMA and uh, in boxing. Got on TV, made a whole bunch of money, put his kid through college. Um, like how am I not supposed to be a fan of that? Apparently, he's like the nicest guy. So like. How am I not supposed to be a fan of Kimbo Slice and Dada 5000? There's just two dudes out here scrapping, putting everything they had together, and wildly missing on every punch. Just <laughs> the, the only reason this isn't my favorite fight of all time is just probably killed Kimbo Slice. Yeah. May he rest in peace. Um, man, every, every time the anniversary of that fight comes, uh, it pops up on my Facebook because I took a video of that fight and I get to just relive that moment every year. The uh, freaking for uh, Dada 5000 getting knocked out by the soul punch, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't touch him, but it hit him in his soul. <laughs> like, from an entertainment standpoint, it does not get much better than that. Like, Man, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> For a brief second, I almost started putting Kimbo versus Houston Alexander on my list because that that fight for me was 
I laughed a lot. Like I <laughs> like what you said with Joey, I can't remember a time I've enjoyed like it wasn't really a good fight, but I found so much joy in watching it that <laughs> it's just I don't know. If I did like a top thirty, top forty fights, it would be in there. It would be in there somewhere. Like I'm uh Yeah, like uh, sometimes more it's more than the technique and uh, that we see in the cage. You know, sometimes it's the narrative, and the narrative for this fight was beautiful. Heading into it, um, baby nuts, man, baby nuts. <laughs> that's that's a good. That's a good. I'm I'm glad you put that on your list. That's that's. I was hoping one of us did. I didn't know if you would, but I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad we're showing the the versatility of combat sports. It's. You got you got to show the whole gamut. Um, so what was that? Was that number four? That was number, yeah, it was number four. four. Number four. All right. So my number four. Uh, boy, see, I'm going to the respectable. I, I, I feel like I'm letting people down. Uh, my number four uh, favorite fight. I was surprised the heavyweight made my list. I didn't I didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, but my number four uh, is going to be Fedor Emelianenko versus Krokop. Ah, it was glad, um, I'm glad you brought it up because I was like, uh, am I going to make talk about it or am I not? Uh, yeah. I had, I had to throw this one on there, man. Like this, you, you don't, <laughs> you got to cherish good, like, heavyweight MMA when you can, when you have it. You don't, you don't always get it. Um, I think this is one of the few times we actually got, like, all right, these are two guys at heavyweight who are actually, like, legit, like, really good. Like, <laughs> it's not going to be some slop fest. Like, we're going to get two of the best in the world. And at the time, like, those were the dudes. Like, I remember back in the day watching Crow Cop highlight videos. Like, this guy is just, he is head-kicking people to <laughs> to other dimensions. And his KO of um Alexander, if I did an all-time favorite KO list, that would probably be, like, number... It might be number one. I love that KO. Just the way he fell. When when tall people fall, it's funny to me. But no man, like the narrative, like Crow Cop knocks out uh Fedor's brother. So you know you know you know Fedor wants to come with the smoke in this fight. And it was just I love to see two two really good uh heavyweights. Fedor and this is like prom, you know, Fedor before he ended up fighting Maldonado and <laughs> whatever he started doing after that, but um, no, nah, man, I was just really, really hyped for this fight. Two guys who just I, I wasn't sure how this one was gonna go, cause you know it only takes one crow cop head kick, he can kill anybody. Um, and I don't know, I, I I felt like I was just watching two titans when this fight happened, and I was like, this just feels like a moment that I don't know if I'm ever, at least in heavyweight, I don't know if I'm ever really gonna feel like this again, like. This was two titans of the sport clashing, and then Fedor eventually, you know, kind of tired uh, Krokop out the, the longer the fight went. You could see Krokop was starting to fade. Um, and you saw how good Fedor was. Um, I still don't, uh, I know it, I don't go there. I don't say Fedor slander, but what, I'm not going to go there. But, um, no, nah, man, just two two titans of the sport, two, two of the best heavyweights. You got to see them in their primes. Like for me, it didn't. It didn't really get much better than that. And then, like the fight actually 
was good. Like, it, it was, it'd be one thing if, you know, two heavyweights you want to see fight, and then it turns into, you know, Ngannou versus Lewis. But, like, we actually got a great fight out of it. And l- looking back, I'm like, man, I I was so hyped for this fight, and it, it, it actually delivered. And it was two heavyweights at that. I have to appreciate this. I might not ever, this might not ever happen again. Um, so number four for me is Fedor Emelianenko versus Krokop. Yeah, um, I'm glad. Like I guess I'm glad you brought it up because that was on my list of fights to pick from, and I was like, uh, I don't know if I'll be able to do it. Just, um, but like, yeah. So, um, that, that's a great fight. Um, it's like it's easily the most technical heavyweight fight probably ever. Um, in terms of just like how how Fedor. Um, was able to dis um, disarm, you know, the most dangerous heavyweight in the world at that point in uh, Krokop. Um, where are they going? Uh, do do So three fights left, right? Yep. Like I said, my list has not been in any particular order. I've just been mentioning them in the in the um in a, in the manner that they have jumped off the page to me. Um, I have a whole bunch here that I have not gotten to um, that I probably should have in hindsight um, and, pro- and probably still won't. Um, so next on my list, um, a fight that I hold near and dear to my heart. Um, Yoana Yinjicek, Koya Gidella 2. Mm. Um, well, uh, Yoana Yinjicek, one half of three of the best fights in women's mixed martial arts history. Um, this fight, the Rose Namajunas rematch, and um, the Wei Li Jing fight. Um, but I chose this fight just because um, like the drama was a little bit more palpable. Like, mm-hmm. if, if you watch the first Yohane and Jacek Cody Goodell fight, there was, there's a big big argument that Goodell won that fight. She dominated the first round up until the point where she got knocked down. Uh, if I remember correctly, she won the second round and lost the third round. Um, it, 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 and, you know, it looked like history was repeating itself in the rematch. Uh, uh, Cordia goes out there and immediately drops Joanna Yanjicek, gets her down, beats her up from the top, does the same thing in the second round, and then drops her early in the third round. Um, that's the part um, that I don't think is mentioned. Like he drops Yoani and Jacek in that round, but Yoani and Jacek, um, being the most well-conditioned athlete in the history of the sport, and I'm I, I say that with 100% the sincerity, um, she gets up and proceeds to outland Cody Goodell in that third round, something like 50 or 60 strikes to eight. And then proceeds to repeat that over the course of the next two rounds. Like, if you want to talk about digging yourself out of a hole as a champion in the championship rounds, like, I, I don't think there's ever been a more clear-cut um, uh, sign or, or, or a, a more clear-cut example. Um, maybe he's uh, Silva subbing Chelsea after dropping the first, like, four and a half rounds, but... Even then, like that was like a momentary yeah, see, that, thing. And yeah, I'm saying, and even, even that was just that was kind of just one moment. Like she, 
she had to claw back <laughs> into that fight. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't just I can land one shot and I'm back. Like, she had to, like, work work yeah. to get back into and that. I can't stress this enough. It's not like she got, like, oh, she was held down for two rounds and Cody Goodell got tired. It's no, Corey Goodell beat the crap out of her for like two straight rounds at the beginning of the fight. Like, I'm talking like really put it on her, dropped her multiple times. And Yuan Jinjicic got back up and proceeded to throw something like 500 strikes in the last like 15, 20 minutes of the fight. Absolutely insane. Um, yeah, that that was one of the fights that I, I didn't get to see in real time. And when I finally, because you, you, been telling me to watch that fight for a long time and when i finally went back and watched it, i was like man i can only imagine that i feel like had i watched that like when it happened i would feel so much strongly so much more strongly about this fight but now in terms of championship performances that's a top that's a top performance like a lot of other people would have dropped them first three and probably would that might have just been it <laughs> like she yeah she earned. She earned that W. She definitely earned that W. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, I shouldn't say it's a shame. Um, it's probably for the best that was on. Uh, but that fight, I think, took place like a Friday night. Um, for like the tough finale, the day before um International Fight Day, I want to say. So like there, there were definitely not as many eyes on it as there was the following night. Um, so. But. It just what a, amazing fight. Um. It's just tremendous. That, that's one another one that I think probably doesn't get talked about enough. That like yeah, if you, if you haven't watched that fight in a while, go back and go back and give that one a look. I am um, go go definitely go back and give that one a look. Yeah, like tremendous tremendous fight. Um, what was it gonna? <sighs> so that's my number three. Um, though again, mine aren't ranked by like order of whatever my mind are just like these are 10 fights i really like you should check them out i still got two left all right, all right. number three man we're getting, getting to the thick of it number three not only do i think this fight is underrated this whole trilogy is underrated Ooh, trilogy um i think i'm pretty sure it's a trilogy i want to say that i'm pretty sure they fought three times but my number three fight Number three, favorite fighter of all time, Gilbert Melendez versus Josh Thompson, too. Ah. Man, if you didn't watch this trilogy, or even if you just didn't watch, man, bruh, like, <laughs> this was a fight, like, this was a fighter's fight. Like, this fight made me remember how much I enjoyed watching Strike Force. It was legit. They were legit a number two to the UFC. And they were legit in some ways kind of better at that time. Yeah, like, bro, Strike Force, just like to me, like Bellator, they got some classics under their belt. And this is one of them. Um, what a fight, man. Like, back and forth, both of them dropping each other. Um, I don't know if I ever watched their first fight. Or if I did, I don't remember it. But I know Thompson won. To be honest, it's another argument. Uh, arguably, Thompson won the trilogy. I remember watching that third fight and thinking Thompson might have, could have got that, could have edged it. But that's another discussion for another day. But either who. Uh, Melendez Thompson, too, 
was an incredible back and forth. Everybody got was getting dropped by all kinds of stuff. Like it, it was this was one of those fights. I think my number one, really my my three, two, and one. Not so much like emotional attachments as like from just a pure entertainment standpoint, like it it doesn't really get much like you can't ask for anything more. Like, bro, you want action, you want people just getting slapped around <laughs> and beat up and coming back and dropping the other dude, and then they're just going seesaw back and forth. Like, it doesn't get much better. And it it was an incredible trilogy, but this the, the second fight was just like, bro, these, these two dudes are really just, they both want it. Dudes, they're really going after it. And... It is one of those fights that you can watch anytime, and it's always, always fun. Josh Thompson, another guy who, um, I think probably because he, I guess you could say like he never won the big fight, I feel like was kind of like underappreciated, but he was a really talented lightweight. He just never, he never had the big moment. Um, well, he did KO Nate Diaz, which is kind of wild. I'll never forget that either, <laughs> but, um. Nah, man, this, this was just an amazing back and forth. Just Like I said, from a pure action standpoint, bro, I was just watching this fight. Like, Gilbert Melendez was one of my favorite fighters back then. But I'm just watching this fight, like, bro, at this point, I don't know if I care who wins. Like, I, I'm just enjoying. That's one of those fights where you just, you stop scoring and you just kind of get lost in the moment. And you just, and you just appreciate just what you're watching. Um... One of the best wars ever. One of the best fights ever. One of the best fights, not just in Strike Force history, but in MMA in general. Um, if you have not watched the Melendez Thompson trilogy, uh, go 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 hit up Fight Pass or do your Googles, whatever you got to do. Um, but that second one, man, incredible fight. Incredible. I can't say enough good things. Um, pure just pure action, man. Loved it. Loved every every second of it. Uh, that's my number three. Gilbert Melendez versus Josh Thompson too. Okay. Um, no, I'm a. I I I don't know what your number one is, but I'm gonna take a guess. So I'm gonna cut you off. Or, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Wait, no, those your My number, number three. one might surprise you. It was your number three that you just did, right? Uh, yes. So I'm gonna cut you off before, because I'm pretty sure you'll have my number two on there. So I'm gonna just skip to my actual number one, which is my favorite fight of all time, which I think I've mentioned previously out here before. Um, and it's uh, Robbie Lawler and uh, Roy McDonald, the rematch, mm. which is in my eyes is the best MMA fight of all time. Um, mm. Just, the, I think my number one is gonna surprise mm. you, but no, that's that's a great pick. That's a great pick. Um, so um, I, I don't like. I'm sure anybody who's listening to this podcast has seen this fight. You you don't need me rehashing everything. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, Champion playing it out late. Um, Bobby Lawler was down three rounds to one uh, when uh, in that heading into that fifth round when he uh, knocked out uh, Rory McDonald, and it's the it's um. What's the UFC series on YouTube? They call it the uh, Thrill and Agony. I think so, yeah. 
I, I I can't think of any other fight that exemplifies that 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 mindset more mm. than Rory McDonald and Robbie Lawler too, because like, like Canada is like fiending for another champion. Rory has been GSP's heir apparent the for the entirety of his career. He is up three rounds to one against the current champion. And and he is taking a pounding. Like he is like he's winning, but at the same time it's like, okay, this fight can still go either way. You're, you're obviously not physically all there at the beginning of the fifth round. And Oh my god, that that moment where he gets like that moment where like he gets hit and his body, like you can tell in his eyes he wants to keep going, but his body just will not let him and it just quits on him. Yeah. That that is that was the one time where like we, we always hear the phrase he left it all in there. That fight was literally that. Like he when he took that last jab because he didn't get knocked out by anything that was like crazy. Like it wasn't like no winging overhand right, like it just looked like that last punch just took, like his soul was like, we we we're done. We can't. I tried <laughs> to keep pushing, and I can't. The no closest more. thing I can think of is that jab that uh, Gaethje landed on Ferguson to end that fight. But even there, right. it's like Ferguson was still trying to shake the stars out. Like R- R- Rory McDonald's body just quit on him. Yeah, and he was never the same again after that. Same with Robbie Lawler. Um, like, I, 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 I have trouble verbalizing, like, that fight, um, in, in a way that's meaningful, just because it's just so, like, that's film level of, like, yeah. drama and hard, and, like, heartache and, like, agony and thrilled because I was a I'm a, I'm a Robbie Lawler fan. Like I was ecstatic when he won. I, I picked him in I picked him in their first fight and I picked him in the rematch, um, which was a pretty unpopular not unpopular but like I want to say Roy McDonald calls as the favorite. Yeah, no, Roy Roy had a lot of steam. Like I think a lot of people were really set on him becoming like the guy. Like he was eventually gonna. He was going to reach that mountaintop. And, like, this was the best Rory, uh, Rory McDonald performance in my eyes. Like, he, he, he was sharp. It, it was not like he was just in there pitter-pattering with him. He was putting it on um, Lawler. Like, absolutely 100%. Like, he came to win the title. Um, mm-hmm. But, like... There's no other fight, fighter like Robbie Lawler. He, he he just breaks guys. Like, win or lose, he breaks other fighters. He still, to me, has one of the best... Like, when you look at... I, I, I can't even just say MMA and sports in general. Like, an athlete who just had, like, a resurgence. Because, bro, when he was... Like, he was good in Strike Force, But he, he lost some fights that kind of made you like, eh... <laughs> like, 
And then dude came to the UFC and he just he took it to another level. I mean, low key, the the, the fights with Hendricks were were classics too. Right, they don't get mentioned because people don't like Johnny. Well, give me a minute. <laughs> give me a minute. Um, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, right. no, no. Um, lower um, McDonald is just like that's such a high bar for any fight in my eyes to clear. Um, like both guys displayed what made them special in that fight and. It's a shame that, like, after reaching such a, like, a, such a, such a peak, like, both of yeah, them decayed really quick after that. Like, we could, yeah. uh, I, I mentioned that, um, I thought the fight took away both of their primes, and somebody mentioned that Carlos, the Carlos Condit fight afterwards for Robbie, I was like, no, like, you could see the, um, you, you can see that the shine was off even in that fight. Like, for, for both guys, but especially for Robbie. Like, he was just not moving the same after that. And who could blame him? Who could blame him? Yeah, that's, like I said, one of them fights that that'll, that you be, you're beating years off of your, your your career. Like, that's that's the price of putting on a fight that good. It's like, bro, you just, that's a solid five years of your career that you just got knocked out of you. Um, but nah, great, great pickle. That that's an incredible. Yeah, see, th- fights like that is, are making me realize like why these lists. Like I said, we're, we're kind of just doing this for fun, but like fights like that highlight why <laughs> this list is like impossible to make. There are just so many great fights that it's like it's it's impossible to rank these like seriously and have like a definitive you know top ten or whatever. But um. Nah, great, great, great pick, man. Great pick. Um, so we had number two. Number two. Um, this was my number one for a while. Um, but my number two pick, like my number three, I wasn't emotionally attached to this fight. This was a pure entertainment thing. And boy, did it deliver for me. Uh, number two favorite fight of all time, Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly. Um... I remember when this fight got announced and I was like, oh my God, this is going to be violence. I don't know how long it's going to last, but it's just, it's going to be violence. And it, it the, the fight went the exact way I thought it was. We just going to throw hands <laughs> and one of us ain't going to make it. And that's what happened. Like, I don't really have a lot to say about the fight. It was like, bro, we just... You, if you know Nick Diaz and you know Paul Daly, like you know what they're about, like two dudes, they they not coming to play. We we not coming to to get five round decisions. We 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 fighting, like <laughs> we fight. I'm trying to take you out, and they just went in there and just had one of the funnest one round fights I've ever watched. Just both rocked each other, both knocked each other down. I had a blast watching this fight. I've watched this fight so many times. It is just, like I said, it's a quick watch. Only like one round. One of those fights I was so hyped for because I knew like the possible entertainment value. And when I watched it, and it was everything I was hope I hoped it would be and more. Um, like I said I don't, I don't really have a lot to say about that fight. It was just, it was pure entertainment, from opening bell to 
until the stoppage. Just pure entertainment. I can watch this fight anytime. And I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe this was like a thing that happened. And it, it brings me so much joy to just watch that. <laughs> that nice one round. One round violence to me is just special. When the fight don't even got to go all around. Just we we going to slug it out for one. And somebody going to make it. And one of us won't. Um, so that is my number two fight. Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly. All right, um, my number one, which is just, yeah, uh, my number one is another Robbie Lawler fight. Um, as I subtly alluded to earlier, is the first match between him and Johnny Hendricks, mm. which is my all, like, in terms of just straight up, like, striking, it's one of my favorite fights aesthetically, just because we don't get these type of, like, pocket boxing matches in uh, MMA anymore, or at all, actually. Like, a lot of times, like, guys will throw strikes from, like, 20 feet apart. Um, like, I, I was really, like, the, one of the few dudes who actually, um, who actually still, like, uh, follows the style of fighting, Peter Jan, which is why I like him so much. Like, like it's not just, like, we're, we're going to bang in the phone booth. It's like, Oh, this is some like slick inside pocket boxing. Um, this is some really great dirty boxing in terms of like Johnny Hendricks. Um, this was stuff I was like really hoping to see um, him use throughout the duration of his like title reign, which lasted all of one fight because he like sometime in the third round of his second fight with Lawler, he just fell apart and decided he wanted to be a wrestler again. Um. But yeah, no, this was just like I, I don't think we're gonna get another fight like it. Is my point? It's just really great stuff from both guys. Um, really innovative. Um, really um, just just special stuff. And like I said, it's a shame Johnny Hendricks's career never panned out or didn't pan out the way we were all hoping it would. Yeah, was it? Did he? Yeah, could you say that was like his? Uh, that was his last. He they started off the second fight really good, and um, after that, I think he beat Matt Brown. But like, it was a pure wrestling match um, from from him. But like after that, it was a pretty sharp fall off. Like he, like I want to say that's not too long after that they got knocked out by Wonder Boy. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, because every time people mention Robbie, they they go to the Roy, and I, I feel like they forget about the Hendrick. Like, and like all of them were pretty. Like, they were all good. They were all really good fights. Um, shout out to Robbie Lawler, man. Like, Robbie really came to the UFC and gave us some of the best. <laughs> like, he gave us some of the best moments and fights that we're ever gonna see. Not not the same guy anymore, but like he really, he really, really, really delivered. God, God, appreciate that guy. Um, all right. So to close it out, my number one favorite fight of all time. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this one. I might have mentioned this once, maybe in passing. Ironically enough, it's the only boxing fight on my list. Number one favorite fight of all time. Rest in peace. Diego Corrales versus Jose Luis Castillo. Uh, the first one. Man... 
you you talk about movie like <laughs> like movie moments like this fight was spend the whole fight well, most of it up until that legendary 10th round back and forth slugging it out like we meeting in the phone booth we getting close we we just it was just amazing back and forth for like those first nine rounds either nobody wants to fold nobody wants to give up ground it was just like i was just watching this fight like in awe like bruh i don't know who's gonna lose because neither one of these guys seem like they're trying to give up an inch and then we get to the 10th round and I, this is the most movie thing i've ever seen castillo drops a drops corrales um <laughs> i think he I think he knocked his mouthpiece out. Um, Corrales goes to his corner, and his cornerman tells him, not an elaborate speech, nothing crazy. I don't remember word for word, word for word, but just kind of paraphrasing. He basically told him, like, dude, you have to get a knockout now. Like, oh, no, no. Didn't he, they, they deducted a point, I think, right? That's what happened. That's what happened. He got dropped in the 10th, and then they deducted a point because he kept... Um, he kept spitting his mouthpiece out. That had happened like a couple times in that fight. And when he went to his corner, the corner's like, bro, you, you have to get a knockout now. Like, you have to get a knockout. Keep in mind, the man just got dropped <laughs> not too long ago. And comes back after getting dropped and getting a point deducted. Got dropped twice, I think. <clears throat> Something crazy. Comes back after his cornerman gives him that that little mini pep talk that was all of like four words. <laughs> Comes back, takes some takes some initial hits because he didn't start winning right after the break. Took a couple hits, got backed up against the ropes, refused to go away, fought his way, just just fought his way out, tagged um. Tag Castillo, I want to say, with, like, a left. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. You could see Castillo, like, kind of start to start to fade a little bit. Corrales, like, just digs in. And whatever little bit of energy he had left, man, he catches Castillo kind of back against the ropes. You can see Castillo getting a little winded. And then Corrales just, tees, just starts teeing off on him. And he just one, two, one, two, one, two. And then the ref comes in and stops. And I was, my mind, when I saw that, I was like, oh my, that, I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend what I just watched. I was like, bro, this is, that is a movie moment. If you can't, you can't write it out better than that. Like he got, Corrales was literally backed in the corner to where like, if you don't get a knockout, you are going to lose this fight. Like no questions, you are going to lose. And bro, he, he, you talk about clutch, <laughs> like, he, he dug somewhere real deep and pulled that out. That, that is the most, I, I still get chills watching that fight. Like, I can't believe that was a thing. Like, that, that to me is amazing. There's no other fight really that has ever made me feel that way watching it. And just to see, like, just the way it ended, that, that 10th round was just like, bro, this, this is literally something out of a movie. Um. So yeah, my number one fight, rest in peace to Diego Corrales. Uh, Diego Corrales versus Jose Luis Castillo won. 
is my all-time favorite fight. Hey. And, and, yay. Boom. That's, uh, that is it. It would be such a thing that our last episode is three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at the time. Whoa. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a thing that we go three hours for the last episode. But, um, hey, man. That's, uh, that is it. This is, uh, the end of our Dojo Talk. Uh, podcast journey um, 174 episodes and like I said there are a few fights that may uh, drag us out of retirement and get, get us back on these microphones if Takaru and Tension decide they, they you know or, or K1 ever whatever whatever that situation is if that ever gets straightened out be back up here Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford uh, you know get their situation squared out be back up here. John Jones loses. <laughs> we can come over here and just say we told you so. Um, but nah, man. For now, this is uh, the last episode. It's been a fun, a fun three years. Great three-year run. Thanks to all the, the listeners, everybody who's... Uh, oh, let me save the, the thanks. Because um, we still got to do the... Parting shots, if we have any, and shoutouts. I'll save it all, all for that. Uh, for the last time, anti cool do you have any parting shots and uh, shoutouts? Uh, yeah, um, I, I got shots for um, all the bootlicker MMA fans out there. Oh. And uh, so, oh shit, a chair. Um, so Jones tweeted out earlier this week. Uh, that he was in negotiations with the UFC for the Francis Gatto fight. Um, and then basically like 20, 30 minutes later, he tweeted out something along the lines of, I can't believe this. And then tweeted out the, uh, the, um, the, um, uh, the, 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 his side of the story being the UFC refused to budge on paying him more base salary for a moving up to heavyweight and fighting in Francis Ngannou. Um, now, you know, this is all Jones' claims or whatever, and, you know, Jones is not the most reliable person in the world. But, to see all of you, all, all these so-called fans, all these people who claim that they want, like, a fighter's union and, um, you know, fighters to be paid more, basically just hop on the side of the UFC and say, John Jones... Uh, doesn't deserve so and so for moving up to heavyweight or fighting for Sagano or whatever. Y'all are absolutely fucking insane. Um, absolutely insane. Like, John Jones does not get paid anywhere near what he's worth to fight. Um, and, and you know, I like I I've been pretty open about my not liking of John Jones. Um, but like. Five hundred thousand dollars for like some of the fights that he's had are is nothing. It's a pittance. Like, um, I want to say it was on Reddit. Somebody brought up that Danny Garcia, not Danny Garcia, Mikey Garcia, got paid seven million dollars for his fight with um Vargas earlier this year, or, or was it last year? I don't remember. Um, 
And somebody was like, why can, um, why can so-and-so, uh, Golden Boy or whoever it was that put on the fight, pay $7 million for Vargas, but the UFC can't pay John Jones uncomparable? And then the people in the comments were like, well, uh, uh, fucking, um, all the undercar fighters on boxing cars get paid like $1,000 or 500 bucks, and it's not fair. Well, I did some quick math. Um, guess, you want to guess what the payout was for UFC 249? Mm, I'm, I'm going to say... Like 1.5 mil? Uh, no. Collectively, all the fighters who fought on UFC 249 made about $3.5 million. Alright, a lot about two. That is half of what Mikey Garcia made. Mm. Now, Mikey Garcia... Um, Mikey Garcia's fight obviously wasn't even on pay-per-view. It was on The Zone. It was on, was it on ESPN. I don't remember. Point being, it was on pay-per-view, right? So... And this this UFC 249 was kind of unequally stacked. It had two title fights. It had um, a bunch of former champions and uh, like and Verdum and Pettis and Carlos Barza on the undercard who were making six figures. Those spots normally don't be like if you're fighting on the prelims, you're probably not making six figures most of the time. Um, you know they had Greg Hardy's inflated ass contract. Apparently he makes like a hundred eighty thousand dollars. Um, a fight. Go figure. Um, so, like, you know, these are num- these numbers are up from what I'm saying from your typical UFC venue. Um, but they still got millions of dollars to have the fight on ESPN. And plus, they basically had a base payout of, like, 400 million pay-per-view buys because that's what ESPN pays them. So to hear people turn around and be like, John Jones doesn't deserve more money for Francis Sagano, a fight that would undoubtedly do, like, big-ass numbers, is insane. And you people are bootlickers. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, this is the reason, uh, this is the reason the sport will not attract the number of, like, top-level athletes that we would like it to. No, they're gonna go no. box, because they're gonna figure out real soon that they can make more money fucking fighting... Uh, being the B side to a, 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 a Mikey Garcia or Errol Spence than they could fighting in the UFC as a champion. All right. Yeah, there's there's no not a lot of financial incentive. And, and like I saw the argument um, that you know the UFC didn't want to make the fight, so they didn't pay them. Well, the UFC didn't want to make a very popular fight that would have had a very high payout. Just because they didn't want to pay their fighters more. Two fighters who openly stated they wanted to fight each other and came to the negotiation table. Mm. So, like... I, so, with the with the monopoly on, like, the matchmaking elements of the sport, like, the UFC has all the leverage in contract negotiations because none of their information is public. You don't know how much your pay-per-view is making. You don't know how much like advertising money is being put into your cards. So like if you are getting a pay-per-view bonus, like what does that even mean if the UFC is not advertising? You know what I mean? Right. 
Um, so like you don't know any of these factors um, when you sit down to negotiate your contract. Um, so like to sit here and say that like excuse me um, they don't deserve this certain amount of money is kind of insane to me. Um, everybody like everybody at UFC two forty nine could have been paid double. What, what what they actually were got paid, and the UFC still made money hand over fist, hand over fist. So, yeah, I don't know. So first shot, all the boot looking fans, um, because y'all the reason DJ is now fighting in one championship, um, and GSP retired from the sport. Oh, y'all gotta let you. I live with that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, y'all gotta live with that. Yep. So. Um. Yeah. So. Shots at them. Um. Do I have a shout out? Um. You know what? Shout out to um, Mickey Ward. Um. I don't know if you heard the news, but apparently Mickey Ward is showing symptoms of CTE. Um, oh. Yeah, no. Um, this was back in February. I, I just saw the article posted on um, our boxing this morning. Um, it, according to the article, Ward gets severe headaches about five days a week. Sometimes wake him up at night. Uh, it's terrible. You, it makes you nauseous. It's like a thump in the back of your head. You feel drained all day. Uh, more symptoms from chronic traumatic uh, and CTE. Started in 2005, about two years after he retired from a wildly successful career that ended in 27 knockouts. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Ward is working with the uh, Concussion Legacy Foundation to urge patients to wait to enroll the children in tackle football or other contact sports until they're at least 14 years old. The PSA, he's promised uh, promoting uh, as parents. If you're you wouldn't let your child box. Why would you let them play tackle football? Which is a fair question, because tackle football probably way worse, if we're being honest. But uh, yeah, especially because I feel like nowadays they they don't even teach proper form anymore. So dudes are just <laughs> dudes are just running into each other. Like, yeah, it's yeah, that sucks, man. That that really sucks. Yeah. So um. You know, there's a thing we'll eventually have to deal with in MMA when guys are old enough to start shows. I mean, we already know people are showing symptoms. Um, what's the name of the Bellator kid who died? 25-year-old Jordan Parsons? Yeah. yeah when they, they did send his brain off to be scanned, and it turned out he had CTE, and he was only, like, a couple years into his career. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Um. So if this is gonna be our last show, I feel like that's something we gotta hammer home with these people. Um, just this is a thing. Be prepared, um, and start is trying to institute some change going forward. So yeah, we always on here, man. We pre. I mean, you understand it. It's it's a blood sport. People are gonna get hurt, but you want to at least try to minimize it as as much as you can. Um, yeah, well, well wishes to him. That's that's got to suck. 
Um, I don't really have any shots. Keep keep it peaceful on the last episode. I'm gonna leave y'all alone. Uh, shout outs. Uh, not not a shout out. More so, uh, a rest in peace acknowledgement. Uh, rest in peace to uh, former NBA coach, longtime uh, Utah Jazz coach Jerry Sloan, uh, who passed away. Uh, I don't know what day it was, but he was 78 uh, years old. Uh, he had complications of Parkinson's and dementia. Uh, he was the fourth. I think the let's uh, see, let's see, let's see. I think fourth time. Uh, yep, Sloan. Uh, and all of those in 23 seasons, he only finished below 500. And one of those years, he won 1,221 games in his career, the fourth highest total in NBA history. Um, so legendary NBA coach. Um, rest in peace to uh, Jerry Sloan. When I was younger. Um, John Stockton was one of my favorite players, so I, I watched the Utah Jazz uh, a bit when I was younger. Uh, so rest in peace to uh, to Jerry Sloan. Uh, my last shout out, man. Shout out to you guys, everybody who's been listening, uh, watched or listened, shared the podcast. It's been a fun three years. Shout outs to our uh, adjacent podcast roommates, uh, Stoves and Joey. Uh, we've, we've dragged in here repeatedly <laughs> against their will or willingly. I, I don't know, but they came. <laughs> we, we got them on here. Uh, it's been a fun, fun three-year ride. Thank you to Antaku, uh for accompanying me on this journey. It was an easy start. I still remember, like, I just asked you, like, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. You want to talk? <laughs> it's like, yeah. We just, yeah, it just became a thing. Uh so yeah, thank thank you for accompanying me on this journey, uh, and like I said to you guys, um, you know, absolutely, brother, absolutely, it. It, it was an honor when you asked me to join. Um, and, you know, it's it's been just it's it's been fun riding this amazing, um, wacky world of uh, right mixed martial arts <laughs> and combat sports with you. But don't get too sad, guys. We, we ain't completely done. Um, while the podcast might be ending, um, I do still plan. I haven't done one in a couple weeks, but I still do plan on doing some uh, some Dojo Talk fight nights on my Twitch page. Um, so I got I got to get back to, to doing those. Um, so if you follow me on Tumblr on Twitter, just keep note. Uh, I'll, I'll try to keep making those a thing. I want to do a movie one. I'm gonna do movie fights one day. Just gotta sit down and get playlists together. But um. Still gonna do those fights, so we're still around, man. We're still around on social media. Yeah, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm if still you know, on Tumblr. Yeah. I'm still on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, we're both still on Tumblr, both still on Twitter. So we're we're not hard to get in contact with, and still definitely be be talking about fights in the uh, in 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 the social media sphere, so to speak. But uh, uh, but yeah, podcast, man. We're gonna. Close it out on this 174th episode. If those choice fights happen that uh we want to see really bad happen to happen, we'll pop back on here. Uh, but for now, that is going to be uh, it. So this is the uh, finale. This has been the Dojo Talk Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate you. You guys be safe out there. Be clean. Wash your hands. All that good stuff. Uh, so that's it, man. And as always, we got to switch the slogan up a little bit, man. Anytime people are being punched, 
and or kicked in the face. We will be there in spirit. And we will see you guys around. Peace.